Peter McCormack's What Bitcoin Did podcast attracts over 1 million downloads a month. He's a voice of trust and authority in the often misunderstood world of Bitcoin. And since 2022, he's been on a mission to give that world its own football club, Real Bedford. I might be able to convince one of these Bitcoin billionaires to come on the journey and throw a bit of money in. Since taking over his hometown team, he's reinvented and reinvigorated them with bold branding and even bolder plans. Can I do it? Can I get a better team in the football leagues? With both men and women looking good for promotion this year, all might seem rosy for Real Bedford, but living next door to their biggest rival means future plans have been put in jeopardy. Look, when you go public, you're going to get people who support you and you're going to get people who are going to attack you. All this shithouse behaviour started happening in the background. They're really annoyed with your flags. I put these big flags with skull and crossbones mm. on our uh, clubhouse, which you can see from in their ground, just to wind them up. <laughs> So, can Peter give Bedford the team it deserves, and how does he run his football club? Hi guys, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of How to Run a Football Club. Today we're joined by Mr Peter McCormack, someone I've got to know over the last few years since he took over Bedford Club and renamed them Rail Bedford. He made his name in the Bitcoin industry, one of the biggest Bitcoin podcasts in the world called What Bitcoin Did, over 1 million downloads per month, and he's taken that and he's put it into a football club and he's doing some very interesting things. A lot of similarities with Hashtag, but a lot of unique things as well about their club that I really want to dig into today. So hopefully you enjoy it. If you are enjoying listening to this, wherever you're listening to it, please drop a like rating, give us a review, make it five stars. It'd be much appreciated and it helps us keep doing what we're doing. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of How to Run a Football Club. Very happy to be joined by the one and only Mr. Peter McCormack here, obviously from Rail Bedford. I want to talk about your experiences because you're fairly new in that we're new in the game, but you're even newer in the game. 2022, I believe it was. Yep. Does anyone ever say 2003 or two? 2022. Um, you got involved, but there's a lot's happened since then. And But I want to start at the beginning. Okay. I want to start about, you know, what I find so fascinating about this world of particularly non-league football. Traditionally, most people come at it from a non-football angle. They've had some business or whatever it is, they've been successful and then they, they love football. So they go and get themselves a club. For us, it was a bit more, we were sort of in a little vertical football in the in the content world of football and I was and did FIFA stuff and that's what allowed me to have a football club. But I'd say in some ways you're more traditional because you come at it from, from a different angle. But that angle is very non-traditional, which is obviously your experience in the Bitcoin world, your, your podcast and the best Bitcoin podcast out there, you know, millions and millions of listeners. And yeah, just tell me about how, how it all kicked off for you. Yeah, okay. Thanks for having me, Spence. Um, so... When I was a kid, I picked Liverpool as my team, right? Okay. That's who I supported. I was a Liverpool fan. Um, and when I got to the age of starting going to football and I first got my first car, uh, I drove the four four hours there and back to a Liverpool game. Oh, and I was play. like, yeah, but I was a bit like, oh, God, I actually just wish I supported a local team. And who's our local team? And I didn't support Luton. I don't feel any kind of connection with them. It's a different town. Um, I started to go to watch Reading because I was born in Reading, but again, didn't feel the connection. And so... I just started to think, well, wouldn't it be great if Bedford had a team, like a good team in the, the Football League? I started to question why they hadn't had a team in the Football League and uh, whether it could be something I could do. And uh, our big, the big team in Bedford's Bedford Town, historically. I think they've been up to step two once. Uh, previous season, they'll step three, then they'll step four. Um, so I've, I was kind of trying to figure out how can I do this? Like, why hasn't Bedford had a team in the Football League? We've got a population of 174,000. Burnley's 94,000. They've 
They're in the Premier League. Even Blackburn Rovers won yep. the Premier League and they had a tiny population relatively, didn't they? So That's my old man's team. Is it? Yeah, he, he used to live up there. Um, but yeah, so like, why has it not happened? Uh, who knows? Well, for whatever reason, I was like, well, can I do it? Can I get a Bedford team in the Football League? So uh, back in 2021, just before Christmas, I approached Bedford Town, um, made them an offer to buy the club. Uh, backed by investors and sponsors, uh, but they declined it. They were having a great season. They were going up to step three. And so then uh, somebody who I'd been helping me um, kind of work on this said, well, there's a team next door called Bedford FC. Okay. Um, why don't you buy them? They're step six. It's a longer journey, but uh, they've got, you know, you can kind of mold it exactly what you want. So I approached the owner, Louis, and again, gave him pretty much the same presentation I gave to Bedford Town. said, look, this is my plan. This is how I think I can get a team from Bedford into the Football League. And he was keen, so he sold me the club. And here we are two and a half-ish years later. So he's later. not involved anymore? Oh, yeah. No, he's still oh, involved, so yeah. Right. I mean, he comes to every game, home oh, and nice. away. Um, I think like most people, when you make an announcement and you're, you're out there saying, well, we're going to get this team in the Premier League. And people are like, who's this idiot? Well, we've done, we've done it too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, who's this idiot? Shut up. Um, but he's now starting to appreciate, actually, the plan's working. Yeah. You know, we've had a good... First couple of years, and yeah. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed we will keep going. Yeah, so you came in, obviously not a new club, because you've taken over an existing club, but like us, Step 6 is where we started as well yeah. in our non-league journey. Um, you know, I think what's probably a little bit different between us is, you're, you're, you know, well, I do want to dig a bit deeper into that sort of Bitcoin association, because I think it's a huge part of your club, obviously, and your yeah. identity and everything. Um, I think your numbers and your plan probably make a bit more sense than ours. Like Ours is really based off of like, just this groundswell of support we have on YouTube and we're kind of sort of saying, could we get to the Premier League? Whereas you're sort of going, no, I want to go to the Premier League. And I've had to sort of personally, from a hashtag perspective, bring that that vision back in a little bit more into the real world because the reality is we run out of money way before then, right? Um, and it's super, super expensive. It gets harder every year. But so tell me about like... Can, I, can I say something on that? Yes, please. So the, the thing about that saying, yeah, I'm going to get them in the Premier League. Obviously, everyone says I'm an idiot. <laughs> what are you on about? The truth is, like, the short-term goal, short-ish, short-to-medium, is the Football League. Yeah. But once you get to the Football League, you're not going to go, okay, I'm done now. No. See you later. <laughs> you know, you've, we've seen Wrexham, they're probably going to go up again, up to League One. They're going to be looking to go to the Championship. But then for a Wrexham, you've also got Salford, you know, who did the same course, thing, started course. off in the levels we're talking about, and then they have hit a plateau. No, no, I totally plateau. get that. But you might as well set your target as high as possible. Yeah. And I think that, and, and then that kind of... Uh, breeds into how you run your club. Yeah. You try and run it the most professional way. But Well, that's, I think, one of the things that we definitely would have experienced. And we obviously talked a lot over the years, you and yeah. I, about similar sharing a lot of frustrations and things that we deal with. But I think, I think it probably has worked against us a little bit in terms of winning people over when it's so apparent that we're kind of on the way up, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's not no disrespect to any of these leagues, no disrespect to any of the clubs. And a lot of non-league clubs, they have these trajectories. You know, they go up for three, four years and they come down and yeah. it's very sort of up and down. What's amazing about the majority of them is they just survive for 100 plus years. And I'm super envious and, and a lot of respect of that because we proof will be in the pudding as to whether we can do it, right? Uh, again, I don't know how long Bedford FC were around before that, but obviously hashtag we're a brand new club. But... I think sometimes it does piss people off when they see you, particularly when it's working and you're yeah. going up, 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 and they kind of see you as, you know, like we've had teams where we've had meetings with them, whether it's about a ground share or even trying to get in on an opportunity to own a ground and all these things. And when we meet with them, there'll be two divisions above us. And like by the time, you know, you next converse with them, you're a division above them. And they're kind of like, oh, wow, I really missed the boat on not working with you. And I'm like, well, we were telling you at the time that's what the plan was. But yeah. I, I want to take it back first before we yeah. dig deeper into, into your, your new club. 
It's like, how does someone get themselves in a position where you can take over a step six team and say, I'm my plan is to take you to the Premier League? Like, like what? Tell me about the podcast. Tell me about the, the huge support you guys have and been able to build that made you think that dream is achievable. Yes, good question. And let, let's say Football League, because realistically. Okay, yeah, Football League. If, if Still we, an amazing achievement. Yeah, if we could ever, I mean, look. National South would be amazing. Yeah. National, any, every promotion is amazing. But I think Bedford can sustain a team in the Football League. When you look at the other teams in kind of League Two, League One, and the size of the towns, I think it's sustainable. So let's say that's the goal. So when I first wanted to buy the, the club, I, you know, like any business, you're a businessman, you just look at the numbers and how does a club make money? It's really at that level, it's how many people come through the door, buy a ticket, buy a burger and a beer. And then how many people will maybe buy a shirt mm-hmm. and then what sponsors you can get locally. Yeah. And it's it has a limitation. You know, shirt sponsors, you might only get a grand. You might get 500 quid. You might get a couple of grand. You might put 20 boards around the ground for 250 each. You might have two, three, 400 people coming in. So unless you're pumping money in yourself, you know, there's a limitation to how much revenue you can bring in. And I, I don't know what you think of this kind of algorithm, but I think about... 60, 70% of your promotion is your uh, budget for your team. Yeah. About 20, 30% is the manager and then 10% luck. And so I I created a, what I, what I said I want to do is every season have a budget that gets us to be able to compete for minimum of playoffs. Yeah. Hopefully win a league. So then I was looking at it, I was going, well, like, how do you, how do you make more money? Well, yeah, I have this podcast. It's a Bitcoin podcast. It's you know, one of the biggest in the world. I felt like if I made us this Bitcoin team, suddenly all the people who listen to my podcast might support us. And then all the companies, which I already have connections with, the sponsors might support us. And so, yes. And, but crucially, there wasn't a really a Bitcoin associated football team. It was a, no. a unique idea. That was the, there are four now. Okay, so that's happened since. Yeah. So Any in England, the others or not? No, there's uh, Austria. Um, I think there's one that's starting in Hawaii. So do you Bulgaria. think they've been inspired by yourself? Yeah, no, they've all called me first and said, okay. how have you done it? And and the thing was, once I realized, actually, this was an idea that could work, I was like, well, I've got to be the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's the Bitcoin team and then there's Bitcoin team. Yeah. So we've got to be the first. Luckily, having the the podcast and the platform you know, has benefited me in, in doing that. And what so- was the point where you went, okay, you know, I've, I've established this podcast, you know, super like you know, associated as a man with Bitcoin and with cryptocurrency, but I actually love football. I want a football club. What was that moment where you just went, just you, just you looking at Bedford as an opportunity, or had you always dreamed of having a club one day? Yeah, I mean, look, if you ask my dad, I said to him when I was probably fifteen, I'm going to buy a football club one day and get them in the Premier League, like like a kid. <laughs> but but the first time I looked at it, um, Bedford Town, uh, I think it was something like 2017. Their owner then, I think his name's David Howells, was letting go, and so me and my friend Tom took a look at it, which didn't have the money, didn't have a plan, so we forgot about it. And it was only then back in 2021 when I was like, oh, hold on, yeah. If I make them the Bitcoin team yeah. and this works, I was like, oh, I've got to do this quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it was probably within a week or two weeks I realised. So I approached um, I approached uh, uh, the owner of Bev Town. But if you listen to my podcast, yeah, since it's launched, I've constantly said, I'm going to buy my local team. Yeah. I'm going to buy my local team. And, and those people have come along for the ride then. They've sort yeah. of, they know it's, I think that was a big thing for me as well. People that watched my videos for years knew that how much I loved the idea of running a football team. I yeah. literally made football manager content. And like, you know, it, it was doing that in real life that appealed to me and they could, it's about, it's about people buying into the story. And I think one of the things we've started to learn in this podcast as well is about how much 
successful clubs need their own identity. And I think that is what you have done so well. One thing that you guys have that we definitely don't have is as well as having this super modern, uh, non-traditional, uh, like brand new idea, you've also been able to combine it with a place in the world, which yeah. we haven't been able to do. And I think sometimes that comes with its struggles. And we're I want to get into later. I know you've had some issues with the ground and stuff recently, but ultimately that I think is a massive obvious strong suit you have because it's the thing that gets thrown in our face constantly you know you, where are you from you know even your name being quite unique i wouldn't say it's, it's un, untraditional because it's actually a link to my understanding obviously real bedford yeah. not real bedford real bedford yeah. is a link to like the real madrids of the world right yeah. let's talk about that because that was quite a bold move wasn't it because yeah. i mean the reason you have to explain it's real and not real i would think the first thing i would think if i was an onlooker an objective or even a uh, your rival's Bedford Town fan, yeah. I would think they've come along and they're calling themselves real Bedford. Yeah. Is that because you weren't able to buy them, etc.? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I, th I think they thought that. I think they were pissed off about that. So <clears throat> so what actually happened with the name, I, I was actually out in America when I came up with the name. I was at Inter-Miami. Okay. I knew the sponsors of the team. They invited me to go and watch them play. And I was like, Inter-Miami, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I was like, what about Inter Bedford? I was like, no, nah, that sounds a bit weird. I was like, no, nah, let's go Real Bedford. <laughs> uh, so we, we needed an identity and, and you know, People confuse Bedford Town and Bedford FC. Yeah. I was like, they're not going to confuse Bedford Town and Rail Bedford. Mm. So I was like, yeah, we'll do that. And you won't forget it. No, I mean, it's, it's brilliant. It's funny because obviously... It's like a five-a-side team. In Spain, Rail means royal, right? Yeah. So it's like Latin's whole link in Barcelona and Real Madrid is... Real Madrid is the sort of, you know, the 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 state team. If you're not the state, they're the royal team. The royal, you know, it was linked back in the olden days of the kind of almost dictatorship and Franco and all this stuff, whereas Barcelona is the much more liberal you know, uh, Catalonia and the people in Spain, it's almost a political, like, are you Democrat or Republican sort of thing as to yeah. who you support? But you've just taken, it's almost like, again, same thing for hashtag. Yeah. It's almost like a seven aside name. Yeah, you know, yeah. Hashtag United literally was a seven aside name because we worked in social media. And then we were like, actually, kind of does what it says on the team because we've made a football team out of the same group of people. But it does end up being identity. And then where does the skull and crossbow all this Let me, let me tell you a funny story though. Um, so when I came up with the name, I was like, great, this is amazing. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be Real Bedford. People won't forget it. And obviously, Real is in Madrid and then Bedford. They're, they're like opposite towns. You're the twin, don't you? Twin in Madrid. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, almost, it's almost a joke. Yeah. Bed, if, if people know Bedford, like, it's a deprived town. It right. doesn't really have much going for it. It's not like Madrid. <clears throat> but anyway, so, so we did it. So I, I came up with the logo. I ordered all the merch. Literally paid for the merch. Uh, and then we went to register the team with the FA and they said, oh, there's already a Real Bedford. <laughs> We're like, what? Yeah, there was a Sunday League Div 5 team called Real Bedford. Nice. And you know what it's like? You can't have two teams no. in the system that are the same. And so I was like, I had to approach them. And I was like, uh, so would you sell us your name? And the guy wouldn't reply. And then eventually I got hold of him because I'd already spent tens of thousands on merch. And so... Eventually got hold of him and bought the name off him. It was great for them. They got, a, you know, I think it was like a grand and they got all new kits out of it. Okay. But they could have been, if they just said no, I would have yeah. been stuck with all this merch. We couldn't wow, have been real with them. Yeah. <laughs> and again, though, the logo the is probably, yeah, somebody has been to America a lot. I, I went to watch the Raiders. If you ever went to, I went to see them when they, uh, before they went to Vegas, when they were in um, Oakland, Oakland. Yeah. And took my kids and you got there and they were playing like Metallica. You know, everyone had these face masks with skulls on it. And, you know, I'm, I listened to heavy metal and so I was like, oh, this is cool. This is the kind of experience I want. And there's no football club in the UK with a skull and crossbones. And, you know, I was like, well, let's do it. And obviously we sell loads of merch. The kids love it. It's a bit rebel. It kind of suits who I am. Yeah. And again, people don't forget it. So 
And it's unique. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. You don't want to just be one, much of a muchness, one of the pack that there's so many football teams out there. Listen, we're like you, we're trying to punch above our weight. And, you know, a football club, whether you like it or not, is a business and it's a brand. And a successful football club is a successful business and successful merchandising is, is a successful brand. People will hate to hear that word. They don't want to hear brand and marketing because they think they just want to think about football. Yeah. But successful clubs are good at it. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. you know, we realize we, we just got to have a strong brand. We've got a lot of people who follow us in America, so we sell a lot of merch to them. And yes, it's worked out really well for us. And how has that been? What was the reaction like when you obviously you tried to buy Bedford Town, went to a different club slightly lower down the, the pyramid? Probably on football terms, they weren't particularly threatened immediately, but they probably knew the potential of what you were going to do because they'd had the pitch yeah. themselves. I'm guessing it created a bit of a rivalry. It would have probably already been somewhat of a rivalry between the two clubs, but that exacerbated it, did it? Yeah, it wasn't too bad to begin with. It, we, we were more laughed at. Like, right. Yeah, everyone's like just laughing at me, just you know, tweeting at me, you're an idiot, you don't know what you're doing, what do you know about football, blah, blah, blah. Just dismissed us, thought we were stupid. And then we won the league in our first year. Uh, they got relegated, mm, and so, so two to, yeah, I love that. So it was from us step six to them step three to us step five, them to step four, one apart. Uh, yeah. And I would say over this season, as we've been top of the league, um, they're top of their league, uh, but the tensions have increased. Have you played them in a competitive fixture? Yet? No, we've no, we've offered them friendlies both pre seasons, and uh, one they did once agree, and then they said they couldn't do it, and they messed us around another time, and. Because it's got so tense now, there's a. It's not just a rivalry. There is um, definite hostility. Yeah. There won't be a friendly. A friend. There's no point in having a friendly. It wouldn't no, be. It'd be weird. Wouldn't it'd, it, yeah. yeah, it'd be horrible. Um, we wanted to get them in the county cup. We were on the different sides of the draw, so that couldn't happen. Uh, we'll meet at some. It'll point. happen eventually. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But what struck? Because obviously, I've been down to your ground. Yeah. We, our women played each other last year in the FA Cup. Yep. Um, and what struck me immediately as you enter the car park or the car parks, I should say, is the two grounds are literally next to each other. I, yep. I mean, I'm sure there's other examples. I know there's some other ground shares in the in the past that have almost had like you know, obviously, famously in things like Italy, you got Lazio and Roma, and whatnot. But these are two independent grounds, but are literally like you could probably do a throw in from one pitch to the other pitch. It's so close. Like, how is that? I mean, so, I'm assuming you try to avoid it, but I'm guessing sometimes you've probably got home games at the same time as well, maybe? Yeah, so we asked the leagues to try and separate them. So it's usually two or three times a season. Right. And originally, like, we reached out to them and said, look, game's on the same day. Let's kind of work on the parking. Yeah, when we're when you're playing at home and we're not, you can use our parking. We've tried. Yeah. You know, we originally tried to try and build a relationship, but there was, can I swear? Of course you can, yeah. Because it was like all this shithouse behaviour started happening in the background. I've kind of got to the point, I'm like, you know what, forget it. Yeah. Let's, yeah, forget it. We've tried. Um, so interesting that I find with, with non-league is because the clubs are generally very small and, and small teams that operate them, it does mostly just come down to the demeanour of the person in charge and like what sort of person they are. Yeah. And the fact that you, if you, was, if you had a normal uh, football non-league club owner's mentality... When you didn't get to buy them and you bought the other team, you'd probably be really like, well, fuck you guys, I'm going to show you how to do it. But you weren't. You were still willing to work with them and do all these things because you're a businessman. You understand it's going to be better to work together and even play on the rivalry, but in a clever way, than it is going to be to just have hostility towards people that doesn't help you in your life. But, I don't know. I, I was still like internally, well, I was still like, yeah, fuck you, I'm going to show you. Yeah, no, <laughs> motivation-wise yeah, on the yeah. pitch, I have the same as those yeah. teams around here I want to beat. 
But I still see the bigger picture and I think what's going to... Ha- every decision I make ultimately comes back to what's going to help my football club. And sometimes, yeah. well, generally, you want to have good relationships with people. Even if you don't like their team, yeah. you're, you're dealing with an individual ultimately. And if it, there's no reason to have hostility for the sake of it. It happens too much. I mean, we had a terrible experience recently at a game. I'm not going to name the club, but we literally walked in the committee room before the game and they just didn't look up from there. They were all sitting down on the table. Not one of them looked up. I went around to shake their hands and they didn't even put their hand out. And like one of them had to grab his hand and put it in mine. And I was like, what are you doing here? Like, what? Yeah. It's like, they made us feel bad that we'd come to their ground for a game. Like, it's what it is, mate. It's how it works. Football. I mean, you've been to us. You've seen. We're like, we're nice. We course, look after yeah. everyone who comes in. We put on good food. We look after the committee. We try and treat everyone nicely. But at the same time, there are people out there who are just unnecessarily hostile. Yeah. Uh, they'll lie about you. They'll spread rumors. Yeah, they just, they, all kinds of shit hours are in. And so, I'll, the people who are good to us. I'm always fair and nice and yeah, happy to spend time with them. But, you know, I will tell pu- people publicly to do yeah. one if they're attacking our club. Because well, I think that brings you to our next point because I yeah. saw, obviously, uh, you tweeted recently an issue you have with the ground, right? So yeah. you, you're a tenant there of the council, I believe? Yeah, so we got uh, three years left on the lease when we signed. I, I'm not going to go into too much detail because it's being worked on. And, okay, good. You know, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus no, while it's being enough. worked on. Um, but it, but it, but a very short notice that we had a new mayor came in and um, we'd agreed heads of turn, spent a year negotiating. We're ready to re-sign the lease. We'd explained all our plans that this ground can take us up to step two, um, but we need a ground beyond that. Let's start on that now because that's four to five years of work. Uh, we don't need any money off you. We can fully fund this ourselves. Um, so we gave them all our plans and then it just, yeah, no notice. The new mayor came in and said, um, we're, uh, yeah, don't, don't sign the lease. Uh, we did get a meeting with him and it was a funny one because he was like, well, I know you two teams don't get on and they're really annoyed with your flags. I put these big flags with skull and crossbones mm. on our uh, clubhouse, which you can see from in their garage, just to wind them up. <laughs> um, uh, and so he said, like, we'll, we'll put you in different places. But unfortunately, I, I think what it was, the council and the mayor don't understand the ground grading system, what happens at the end of March, all those kind of things. The place it's they like, were going to potentially put you to wouldn't have been up to spec. Yeah. And so so we, we just went back to him and said, look, this isn't going to work. We're happy to move find us an appropriate place and, and give us a lease extension till that's ready. And um, the FA has got involved. They put, they put out a statement about it. Uh, Beds FA, a guy called Alan Young, brilliant, brilliant bloke, loves football, loves local football. He's now working with them and, you know, fingers crossed that'll get resolved. Because that's what you want from an FA standpoint. Yeah. You want an objective opinion that says what is best for football in this county, you know, in this area. And that's clearly to have two good teams. You know, why, why to have one? But I'm not saying I don't know the council, obviously I don't know the full details, but... It seems to me, in my experience with, with councils and with other teams and things, and again, because we're not directly linked to a place, even though we are as people and as a, an office and all these things, we're not looked at by councils like that. We're always inferior. We're always viewed as inferior to the, ta- the club that's got a town, yeah. uh, you know, the t- town that's got a club and had a club for a long time. And like it, it, that probably won't change for you until you're way beyond them in the pyramid because it'll always yeah. be they've been around longer or they've got all the links in the community. And I think that... But we, obviously, you felt the need to go public with it, yeah. And I think good good luck to you because you know, there's a load of times I've sometimes we've had to do the same. Sometimes I've felt like I really want to talk about what's happening to us here, and you have to make a choice whether you do it or not. Look, when you go public, you're going to get people who support you, and you're going to get people who are going to attack you. But at least it's in public; it's transparent, and the decisions are transparent. And yeah, I'm I'm a Bedford boy. I love Bedford, and I want Bedford to be a successful town. I want to have a successful football team, and. I think it's I think it's like objectively uh, unquestionable that we are good for the town for a couple of reasons. Um, 
this what we've done in terms of building this brand internationally is we bring people to Bedford. You yeah, know how yeah. you get like big away crowds? Yeah. Well, we get every time someone comes on holiday to the UK who listens to my podcast, they email and they come to the ground and watch a game. So you've got people from America, Australia, yeah. across Europe coming. We've probably had over a thousand people visit from outside of the, uh, of the country. We had 12 Slovakians come once. Wow. Yeah. But what happens is they stay in the hotels in Bedford, they eat in the restaurants, they're spending money. So that to me is like unquestionably good for Bedford. There's, there's no reason to visit Bedford. It is a shit town in England, right? There's no, <laughs> it's not Manchester. It's not Cambridge. It's not London. And so we're bringing people into the town. So that, but like you, I, I love women's football. We've invested a huge amount of money into women's football. We've taken a team that only didn't get relegated because another team folded to now top of the league, having yeah. won every game. Won every game, yeah. Amazing. And we're investing in women and girls football. We're investing in youth football. So like we're unquestionably good for the town. Have Bedford Town got a women's set up? No. They, so we partnered with Bedford uh, Ladies and Girls who became Real Bedford Ladies yeah. this year. Season, sorry. I think they tried to partner with them. It didn't work. Um, they do have a youth set up. And I'm not saying they don't do anything in the community. It's not us or them. It's just yeah. just uh, measure us on our own, judge us on our own. Of course, it's just an objective way of looking at it is, you know, yeah, don't, you can't just look at a team and see what level they're at because there's yeah. a million different reasons for those things. But the fact that you're leading the way in the area for the women's setup is a huge string to your bow, you know, and the women's game is growing exponentially. So I think more and more teams are going to get into it. The ones that aren't into it now are just going to be lagging behind. And yeah. in five years they're going to be starting not only at the bottom of the pyramid which is the seventh tier they're going to have some really like getting up is going to be way harder than it has been in previous years well i mean it's even hard you know what it's like finishing second is finishing 10th yeah yeah it's the same you, yeah. there's one place and you know you, you can't afford many mistakes to get promoted and and so it takes a lot of hard work takes a lot of investment but there is room for two teams in the town if yeah. there was one great but there's room but judge us on our own don't pick between the teams and if you're going to pick between the teams, well, look, look who's investing. You know, look, look who's investing in uh, women's and youth sports like we are. So I, I just found it a bit weird. And it's kind of kind of opened my eyes to, to how the council and you know, the borough work. And it's just left, left a bad taste because it was all unnecessary. I de look, I don't, I don't want to just call clubs out and I don't just want to fan the flames. But at Bedford Town, I would just say to them, beat us on the pitch. Yeah. Don't do all this shady shit in the background yeah, to try yeah, and damage yeah. our club. You know, stop looking over your shoulder. You're going into step three. They're going to win that league, right? Yeah. Beat us on the pitch. Do What's a their job. situation in terms of the back room? Are they are they got more traditional, just some people putting money into it? Yeah, so, so John Taylor, you know, we've clashed recently. We probably don't like each other anymore, but we, we used to have a good relationship. You know, what I will say in his defense is, you know, he's he loves that club and he's worked very hard to, to, to make that club a success. And, you know, he has had successes. He did get up to step three and they're winning the league this year. Um, I think they've got a couple of guys, uh, I think a guy called Ben Banks and Gary Hewitt on their board. You know, they're doing their thing, but they're, they're, we're trying to beat them on the pitch and as a business, I think they're trying to beat us by being shithouses, but putting obstacles in our way. Maybe that's because they can't beat you ultimately with the revenue. This is what we experience, you know, you have a, such a unique and unmatchable revenue model with your whole yep. separate side to the club that um, they have to do that. So their only option is to try and stop you getting the things you need. You know, like for us, we don't even have a ground, right? So you're already ahead of us on that. And we, we don't get that food and bar money. So yes, we've got this model, the yeah. YouTube money and the sponsors we get, you know, it's great. But we've now reached a level where regardless of how other teams' models exist, mostly it's just rich guys putting money into clubs, they can match us financially. 
the fit the, the bit that they won't want us to get is the food and bar. Once we get our own ground, then they'll be like, oh, so you've got everything we've got, yeah. and you've got this other thing, and that's probably how Bedford Town look at you. Which is, yeah, yeah it's only Spence, a matter of time. Could you imagine waking up one day and I don't know speaking to your brother and say, oh, that rival team, right? We can't beat them on the pitch. Let's. Uh... Let's throw a few hand grenades into their operations and try and fuck it up for them. Can you imagine? Oh, doing I can't that? imagine doing that because yeah. it's not how I operate. I, yeah. I don't. I don't look sideways. I just want to work. How do I? That's why I get. I don't really see us as having right, local rivals. And sometimes teams locally get annoyed with me for saying that, or they think I'm. I think we're above them. It's nothing to do with that. It's like we aren't doing the same thing. Like God, I love the rivalries, local town teams we want to play and beat. We want that motivation. But first of all, we've been in. We've never been in one league more than two years because we've gone up so much. So we haven't had enough time to create genuine on-pitch rivalries mm -hmm. that will come in time for sure but equally like if i get bogged down and i don't i probably comes across arrogant but i really don't mean it that, that way i think anyone in my position and you'll definitely relate to this would understand what i mean if i get bogged down with what xyz team are doing around to the side of us that don't have anything like the same business model we have i'm just going to end up being like them mm. i'm not trying to be like them that doesn't mean they're not good and great and they're great football teams for the community but nothing that we have had from day one none of the stuff we've achieved has been from me looking at non-league kit team going how do i be like them it's literally come from me doing the opposite and going yeah. how do i make something completely different to that so why would i look at those teams i want to beat them at football sure mm. but they're not rivals I, I rivals it's this i remember back in the day when the premier league came out and said they saw one of their biggest rivals and threats was Fortnite, and everyone was confused and they were like no because it's taking kids attention away from football and yeah. that's going to stop it and that's the sort of mentality i look at okay what's the actual threats to us it's losing sponsors it's not people getting people watching youtube videos so like logan paul is as much a competitor to hashtag united as biddericky town are do you know what i mean yeah. because and he, he's smashing us right now <laughs> if it was football he'd beat us about 15 nil but you know what i mean that's the mentality but it all comes from a place like yours does of how do you win football matches? Yeah, how do you win but football matches? We just watches? think a little bit outside the box as to how that goes about it. Do you know what I mean? Well, you're, I mean, look, it's funny. When when we announced the team, it's my son, he said to me, he said, do you know, do you, do you watch Spencer FC? And I was like, no, my son is like, he loves you. I think I'm a generation too old to have known yeah. it. And so he's like, you know, you need to check them out. You need to check out hashtag. And so obviously I checked you out. And it, it, I always feel like you're maybe a couple of years ahead of us. And and I love that you do this pod now. As soon as you launched it, I text you. I was like, because this is helpful. Because I think what you should do as clubs, you look at other clubs, see what they do, yeah. and learn from them. Exactly. You know, I, I wish I'd I'd have launched this, and um, you know, I wish we had the viewership that you have on YouTube. So I I love everything you've done, and and I see the challenges. You know, you like us are a team that people want to attack because you're different, but it's working. And what I say to those people, what they completely and absolutely miss with clubs like yours or ours, is that. Just think wider. You might dislike the model. You might think it's not traditional, but everything you, you're you doing and we're doing is leading to more people playing football. Yeah, exactly. And more kids playing football. So yeah. that's a good thing. And non-league, yeah. Non-league's great. I mean, I think I sent you the stat the other day. You, you mentioned it a minute ago. So we get these stats. They send them around the league about attendances and things. Now, our home attendance, when the first few seasons of non-league was, was one of the best in the league because we were at lower levels. Now yeah. we're at a point where our home attendances are bottom half of the table in terms of numbers. But what's a crazy stat is that we have by far the highest away average attendance. Now, that seems weird because it, we'll go to a game. We played, I think, Hastings the other day, a couple of thousand people there. And I saw the tweets and the reply and someone said, I don't get it. Like, why were there so many people at Hastings today? Hastings often get well over a thousand anyway, but um, it was their highest of the season so far, I think. And why is there so many? It's not like hashtag a massive away following. And it's true. We've not got loads of people coming from Essex 
to Hastings, but we have a lot of people who watch our videos in Hastings that don't normally go to Hastings, but will come to watch yeah. Hashtag. Now, they might even be supporting Hastings because they're local to Hastings, but they don't ever go to Hastings unless yeah. we go. So what that means is, and it's, the stat is literally there for everyone to see, it's something like, I'll put it on the screen now, uh, our highest average attendance is something like just under 1,200. Wow. And the next second is seven or 800. So we're like 50% better than the next best team. We don't get any money from that because it all goes to the home team. You know, half the time, like I say, they're not even supporting us. They're coming to see the circus when it's in town. But how is that not good for non-league football? Even at the level we're at now, step three, we are putting money in the pockets of those teams. If yeah. we were not coming to that game, it's a different team from our league, they would have made thousands and thousands of less pounds on the door and in the bar that day. And I think people are starting to get it. I yeah. think now some teams are starting to maybe not like love us. You can't expect other teams to love you, but just to accept us, give us a seat at the table. We still do have a few that just are full of hate. And it always comes from the top in my experience. It's not about like the area. It's not about the, you know, the, the, the nature of the football club. There's no such thing really in non-league. It's the identities created by whoever the custodian of that club is and how they ask people to operate. And but there's an issue there's... when they don't know you. So yeah. we, we, I'd say we actually get on with pretty much every team in our league, mainly. Yeah. Um, it's teams outside of that, you know, they, you know, maybe league above or, you know, next town, uh, sorry, next county, that don't really know us and know what we're about. Um, uh, and we, I mean, look, our crowds are nothing like yours, but but there's a similar situation. When we took out took over, the, the average crowd was about 40 at home, and that was just um, kind of friends and family. And then our first full season, we got that up to 180, that's and amazing. our biggest was 330. This year, we're averaging and that's about... that's step six as well, right? Step six, that's yeah. incredible, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, but I mean, it was the best average in the league, and then we've done the same again uh, this year. It's like averaging near 250. We've had a 471. Um, but when we go to away games... I always have a look at what the attendance was and compare it to their previous ones. Mm. And they're, they're bigger crowds. One, because yeah. we're top of the league. Two, we're, we're kind of the talked about team and I'm a bit of a loud mouth. They're like, they want to come and check it out. But the actual, the chairman, when you have a chat to the chairman, they're like, this is great. You know, we're, we're going to do double the money we normally do today. And we know how important that money is to these clubs. So yeah, I think other clubs doing new and interesting things. It's only good for football. 100%. It's only, I mean, look how many clubs have gone bust over the last, you know, 20 years. Yeah. And you've got these new models, new ideas, and that are leading to more people playing football and, and local clubs and non-league clubs making more money. And we also kind of have to thank Wrexham a bit, really, because mm. there is now this awareness of non-league football in the US, yeah, which has been brilliant. And I mean, you've probably got fans all over the world as well. You know, that's a really good thing. Um, and I've grown to love non-league and start to care less about the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally. kind of that that transition's happened. So. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate everything you guys have done and you know, I'm definitely nicking ideas off you. No, it's all good. Like, <laughs> it's all part, I, I, I look at people like yourselves and, you know, you've got friends of ours like Harry Hugo at Farnham Town or, you know, teams that even the SE Dons guys who we've yeah. only really made friends with recently, but we had in on the show. Like, I see us all really as in the same kind of industry, if you like, or whatever genre. Like, we're all trying to do things different and we're coming at it from a new twist. So I think we have to kind of stick together a little bit. Yeah. Um, how much, how important is that, that international audience for you? Like, cause I know you've got a lot of people listening to your podcast over in the States and other countries. you like, that's one of the things that's really unique about your club is like I say, you have got the local bit. You are called, uh, you have a place in your name. You are getting people coming yeah. from Bedford. You, you, you clearly demonstrated how you're bringing money into the economy, but you've also got people miles and miles away from Bedford that care about your football team. That yeah. gives you a real unique twist, doesn't it? Well, it's just good for the business model. So we made a decision from day one. We want to stream every game we can. And that's expensive. I mean, yeah. 60 grand a year. And, and that, that 60 grand would be more than most teams at our level spend on their uh, uh, wage bill. Yeah. 
But what we knew we wanted to do was have the ability to anyone around the world who wanted to watch a game, they can. So they, they see every home game and then every away game that uh, the away team allows us, which I think is about half this season. Um, that gives them the, the connection to the team. But the important thing about the international reach and the international side of the brand is that we are entirely focused on Bedford when I'm there. We want to grow that. That's about our local sustainability. We'll get into that. But our sponsors, we probably get the same sponsorship revenue of maybe like a National League team. Yeah. Um, that allows us to invest in the infrastructure, allows us to invest in the team, do what we've done with the ladies. But we also sell a lot of merch. If I go to a um, conference, I'll take a couple of suitcases of merch. It'll all sell four or five grand. You know, you do five conferences a year, that's 25 grand. On top of the fact, the majority, the vast majority of merch we sell goes to America. I mean, our first, this is mad, in our first season in Step 6, we sold 2,000 shirts. Wow. All that money goes into the, well, I yeah. say that. My problem is, is you know what it's like with kit. I actually ordered 3,000 at the start. And so I had a thousand unsold. So we kind of broke even on shirts. Yeah. But but all that stuff just gives us this this business model, this competitive business model where we can bat out of our league. And a lot of people talk about the money. They're always like, "Oh, you spent you money bags, spending money on your football club." It's like, yeah, we want to win leagues. We yeah. want to get in the football league. This is a business. No, is that it? you've come in at that level because that was the opportunity that presented yeah. itself to you. If you if you had got come in at early, a higher level, you would have. And it's just about making it make sense. I mean, you're very transparent with your numbers and on yep. your website, you talk about your revenues, you know, over half a million, all these sorts of things. What's the plan for when you get, and I'm sure you will, like we're talking, you know, both teams in the fifth tier right now, right? Women in the fifth tier, which is the actual fifth tier. Sorry, step five, I should say, for the men's game, which is actually the ninth tier. But um, double promotion looking very likely. Women have won every single game, as you mentioned. Uh, you're in the same league as some people we know very well, like our landlords, Bowers and Pitsy. Yeah. Uh, and it's a lot of traveling, actually, for that tier you're in, yeah. which is crazy. And then, um, obviously, the men looking very good to go up as well. So just like we experienced last year, double promotion, whole club going in the right direction. I don't know how anyone could have any criticisms about how you're doing it, especially, like I say, with the transparency. What is the plan when you inevitably get to, you know, we're talking third tier in the women's, like we are now, just outside the championship, which is we can get into a completely different kettle of fish in terms of this license you've got to apply for and the, the regulations they put on you to even be in that league you can get denied promotion if you don't reach them and in the men's game once you get into the national league you're talking traveling you're talking hotels you're talking professional clubs in that league how do you what do you need to do to then make that next step into the efl in terms of revenue in terms of you know for me it's like we have to we know what we have to do we have to get that next part of our business model the, the bit you have the making money from when we do get good gate receipts, uh, good good numbers through the door. Like what's going to stop you from making that jump, if anything? Yeah, um, look, if anything, that we might get to certain levels where we get stuck for a while. You know, I'm, I'm fully expecting that. Uh, the way I tend to, like my manager always says he works one game at a time. Don't ask me about next Tuesday's game. All I'm thinking about Saturday. I'm kind of the same with leagues. I think about one league at a time, yeah, one yeah. division at a time. So when we started this season, I said to my manager, what do you need to compete for the league? He explained everything you needed, resources, money, everything. So that was provided. And then I kind of, the majority of my job's done there. There's day-to-day, day-to-day work. But I immediately started work on uh, step four. And that's not to say we guaranteed promotion. You know, we we could screw it up this year. You know, we could end up in the playoffs and not make it. But I work based on the idea that uh, if we if we do get there, I'm ready. Yeah. So everything's ready now for step four. The, the sponsorship's in place. The budget's in place. Uh, we haven't spent all our budget this year, so we're ready for step four. Ground grading all good. Ground grading's all good. Everything's ready. And so what will happen is once uh, the the 
uh, next season starts, I'll be working on step three. Now, I'm already kind of working on it because you've got to think years ahead for the ground. Step three worries me a bit more. Is so it just exp the cost just exponentially... Look, if you want to if you want to go in and win league straight away, one, it's hard. It's very, very hard. Even with the best budget, you're not ne necessarily going to do it. But you know, this team's spending ten, twelve grand a week on mm, yeah, tell me about the wage it. bill. So I've done, I've done a budget for step four, step three, and step two. When I look at step three, there, there's currently a hole in in terms of the budget I want, and that hole at the moment is about 150, 200 grand. Now I've got a year and a half to figure that out. Is that some new sponsorship we do? Can we launch an academy? You know. What, what are the range of options to me to, to make that happen? Um, when I look at step two and step one, I mean, the holes are huge. We're talking hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Now, can we grow our crowds? Yeah. I mean, I'd love a crowd like Barry or Notts County. Yeah. But can, can we get Bedford to the stage where you know, 1,500, 2,000 people are coming? Because that makes a huge difference. So, you know, me and uh, we've got Will here, my media guy. Like, we, we, we're sit, sitting down this week and working on our media plan. There's... And there's little things we're doing. Like, for example, I've just taken a lease on for a cafe in the town. Yeah. And it's going to become a cafe bar, which is going to be a Rail Bedford bar. And this is not me, at the ground? No, right okay. in the town centre. Nice. Because for that, for me, is a permanent advert for the football club in the town. Nice, I like it. Someone comes in and buys a cup of coffee. It's a black cup with a logo one. Yeah. You know, and we can sit there permanently in the town and tell people about what we're doing. So we've got to find someone to run a cafe. Like, is that how, well, how I already run a bar, that? so I've already got a bar. Okay. So it, it, the, the logistics are very similar. And we're going to put an office in the back, a bit like this, where all our merch will be. So we can kind of centralise things yeah, around yeah, that. Yeah. But that's part of growing the crowd. But yeah, we might get stuck at some point. I might be able to convince one of these Bitcoin billionaires to cover the journey and, and throw a bit of money in. It, I, I don't know. But right now I'm focused on you know, supporting the manager for the rest of this season having everything ready for next season, which is pretty much there, and thinking about step three. I, I can't even think about National League. No. Well, also, one of the reasons you can't think about it is you don't know how quick your crowds are going to grow. Um, you know, If your crowd grows by 50% or 100%, that changes things entirely. Of course. And so you know, I have ideas and I have rough budgets, like I say, all the way. I've done, I've done a budget all the way through uh, uh, to step one. And there are big holes. But, you know, if we're really successful growing our crowd over the next year or do a new type of sponsorship, then perhaps those gaps close a little bit. And so I will keep adjusting those each year. But right now, it's just like one season at a time, one division at but, a time. But within that, though, what timescales are you giving yourself to do that? Like when we came into non-league, I sort of said, right, five years, I want to get to step three. Um, that was based on really I felt that it was an achievable goal. Yeah. There's three promotions in five years. Technically, we did it in four because we had these COVID years. It was five seasons, but two of them were combined. Um, and that didn't include the women's promotion. So technically, we got four promotions in four years, really. Um, but that was based on just pure numbers. It was based on building in a couple of years where we didn't succeed. It was based on um, what I knew that we could get if we sustained viewership and continue to get sponsors, yeah. but also allowing for a little bit of a drop-off in case anything went wrong. You know, I certainly didn't plan for COVID, but we managed to navigate that all right. I certainly didn't plan for, you know, our old kit deal just not paying us any money from all the shirts they sold, but we managed to make it work. But I don't know what would have happened if, and this isn't going to happen to you or us, I don't think, but I didn't, I wouldn't know what, if three years in, we'd still been in that same first league. I don't know what, what that would have done to the plan because it would have inevitably... Our, our trajectory is so linked to our sort of narrative and the content that we make and the story that we can get people invested in to watch. If we hadn't gone up in three years, people probably would have lost interest, I think. They would have been like, what's hashtag doing? You know, now we've got a different issue, which is we probably won't go up unless we moneyball it because the money being spent is way more than what we can spend. So we have to keep the story interesting. That's the pressure yeah. we put on ourselves. What, what, what you know... You're talking about the budgets for step two and step three, but what happens if you get to step three 
and you're there for five, ten years. Is that a problem for you? It's not a problem. Look, it's not a problem. Yeah. Ultimately, I'm trying. This this isn't just about promotion. It's about the town. Like yeah. I want Bedford to That's do well. Good, yeah. I want more people playing football. Um, I'm almost not thinking about that. You know, again, I, I'm not going to make a plan for being stuck in step uh, three for five, ten years. What I'm going to make a plan every season is what can we do to challenge for the league that season? Yeah. Yeah. What can we do? Now, look, we might get to a point. It's like, what can we do to make sure we don't get relegated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be that when we hit, you know, if we if we were lucky enough to get to National South, it's like, yeah, we just got to make sure we stay up. But it's I've got to deal with one season at a time. I can't plan for, you know, ten years. What the only other thing on my mind is purely the sustainability. I'm like you. It's like, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna risk the future of the club to go as quickly as possible. I want to do it in the most sustainable way nice. possible. And so, uh, I think constantly about revenue. Yeah. Uh, I'm always thinking about how can I uh, de-risk the sponsorship revenue? Because what if that changes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that will massively change our club. Because a lot of your sponsors obviously are, are related to the crypto space and the Bitcoin yeah. space and all these things that you're so synonymous with. What is there? Are they sponsoring because of what they actually physically get in deliverables and the exposure the kit gets and all these sorts of things? Or is it a lot of it about this kind of uh, philosophy, if you like, that they love that you represent what they do. Like, what, mm. what's the thing that you offer in them the best? Do you think? Because ours is obviously yeah. ours is YouTube eyeballs. That's what we offer. I think. I think it's a few things. I think, uh, firstly, there's uh, we are the Bitcoin Club. They want to be involved. In it. They want to support it. They want to support me. Uh, you know, they buy the vision. Yeah. Bitcoin itself, we're always Bitcoin, not crypto. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. Nice to say that. Yeah, Bitcoin. All that shite. Yeah. Um, so we, um, I think they they they're buying into the journey. You know, they want to come to the games. They want to be, become part of it. Um, I think uh, there's only one space on the front of the shirt. So it's a bit of um, prestige to be the one that has it. Yeah. Um, I think they understand the eyeballs. That they understand the exposure they get because I've got the podcast as well. So th I think there's a range of reasons. Um, I think a lot of them just like the idea of, you know, the thing about Bitcoin is the, the, it's kind of like a war of narrative. Mm. What people outside of Bitcoin think it is to what we think it is internally is usually quite different. It's, there's so much misunderstanding with it, and and it's always under attack. So you feel like, as a group of people together, you're working together to just try and explain to people what it is and why it's important. And so we're kind of all in it together. So having our own football team that takes people on, like this is our team. Yeah. This, yeah, Real Bedford is the Bitcoin team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those things that people want to become part of. So sponsorships have been, you know, fairly, you know, not too hard to get. I mean, I have to... Yeah, work at it. But I think also it's kind of like they see the end goal. They see this kind of vision of getting a team up into the football league and the exposure that'll get. And, the, and and I think they just want to be part of it. What can you do? I know you've done some stuff already. Like how can you Bitcoin-ify the, the match experience and the club and things like, you know, I mean, let's assume and I'm kind of a, a novice to all this stuff anyway, but let's assume anyone listening is like super unfamiliar with Bitcoin. Like how how much can you push the envelope in how Bitcoin friendly your football team is yeah. as opposed to just having its branding on a shirt? Yeah, it's a good question. So the way we think about the match day experience is if you don't care about Bitcoin, that's fine. You come along, you give your tenner to come into the game, well, eight pound to come into the game, you buy your beer and you watch the game, you leave. That's totally fine. If you want to learn about Bitcoin, if you're a you know, if you've heard about it, you're interested or you're a bit worried about inflation and government debt and you keep hearing these same messages, well, once a month we have a Bitcoin meetup before a game. So I'll be there with, you know, 50, 100 people just talking about various things to do with Bitcoin, maybe have a special guest. Um, and then if you want to buy your ticket with Bitcoin, you can. You want to buy your beers and burger with Bitcoin, you can. So 
you can have a full Bitcoin experience if you want or none at all. Got it. And we don't want to force it on anyone. There's actually, a, there's an article on our website that says why you should not buy Bitcoin. Right. Like, cause I, like, I look at Crawley Town, everything they did. And yeah. I completely disagree with it. Yeah. I think they just uh, encourage, we call them shit coiners. We, they encouraged a bunch of people to buy these stupid NFTs where they all lost money. And I just completely disagree with that. I, you know, I don't want someone to feel like they have to buy Bitcoin because of our football club. If you just want to learn about it, we'll teach you about it. And so, yeah, I'm very careful with that. Also, I don't want loads of people to buy hometown buying Bitcoin and misunderstanding it and losing money and blaming yeah, yeah, me because yeah. it's it's a it's a difficult asset to understand. I know your brother does because we spoke about it. Yeah, he understands it a lot more yeah. than I do. Uh, the the interesting thing there though, I think, is that you know you could have a world where you could have people that are Bitcoin lovers and don't particularly follow soccer, especially the American, but get into it because of you. Yeah. You can have people in the area that love football, don't know anything about Bitcoin that support you, and you can have the middle ground as well. So it's a nice way. But mention the Crawley thing. I think what actually helps teams like us is we're both getting to learn on the job in a much yeah. lower pressure environment. No disrespect to these leagues, but yeah. Crawley have gone in at League Two. Not only have they gone in at League Two, they've gone in with a club that's already really overperforming based on their fan base. Like they're, yeah. they're sort of shooting, you know, um, punching above their weight really. Yeah. Like, and that was, I think maybe one of the, I don't want to say mistakes, but like, I know they were sort of trying to do a Wrexham, but the, the genius of Wrexham is that it was a sleeping giant, mm. you know, local to here, the equivalent was Southend who recently got bought, you know, club that's been in the championship previously sitting in the national league, you know, points deductions, those are HMRC issues. That was the time to buy them because mm. you can only go up. Like, you know, it's like getting a stock at the bottom, you know, it's going to go up. Crawley was, where was the growth potential? That was, I think it went wrong. And then I also think with these, you know, back in the day before Bitcoin and stuff like this, there was uh, something called uh, called uh, My Football Club with Gravesend and Yeah, I remember, yeah. And they sort of pioneered this idea of you buy, a, I think it was like £60 a year or something, maybe £120 a year, and you were a board member. And it was complete, completely novel at the time. I think they were even letting the fans pick the team and stuff like this at times, which, you know, generally ends terribly. But really, really unique idea. Problem was they had to buy it again the second year and the second year people were over it. Yep. So suddenly they go from having this huge budget to having no money whatsoever and there's no one else that wants to put the money in because the fans are making all the decisions. Exactly. So it's a bit of a, you know, we've got Real Oviedo branding around here. It's the club I've got a really good relationship with. But that, that relationship came from a time uh, over 10 years ago now where they were really on hard times. They were previously a La Liga team. They won La Liga many times in the early 20th century. Really famous Spanish team from northern Spain. And they were now finding themselves in the in the fourth tier, um, which right, once you drop out the second tier in Spain, they call it the hole because you can like it's like eight regions, eight divisions at the same level. You can win the league and not go up. Like it's super hard. You have to win the league, then you have to win a playoff. Really hard to get out of. But they played on this history of the club. They'd they'd had players like Michu, Cazorla, Mata all come through there. They'd been in the Europa League, I think maybe in the early two thousands. So they had this history, but they're in the lowest possible ebb they could have been at, and they started selling shares. And it was like eight euros a share. The share meant absolutely nothing. It was something like, you know, I think as shareholders, we own something like 48, 40% of the club. And so we had some voting rights and whatever. I made it loads out of it because I went and made, you know, content with them. So I got a real relationship with the club. So I really made it look like this is the dream as a shareholder. But the reality is most people paid eight euros for absolutely nothing. <laughs> and what happened is about a month after, um, and I say this with someone that is still very much involved in Oviedo and love Oviedo, and they're, they're really close to getting back to La Liga. They're in the playoff spots in the in the second tier right now. So it'd be amazing if we do. But And we've been out there with hashtag and all sorts. But ultimately, what happened about us a, a couple of months after that share raise, they sold 50-odd percent of the club to Carlos Slim, one of the richest men in the world. And he basically called all the shots from then on. So those shares were meaningless. And that's like... 
Again, there's loads of different ways. Like we're thinking about it now. We may well have an update on this podcast soon. We might give fans an opportunity to, to have yeah. equity in the club. But we're only going to do it if that is meaningful and it's protected. It's not like, you know, can we raise some money? Cool, you sit in the corner and never be heard. It is, if they're going to come in, depending on what we can make available to them, they need to be part of it. You know, inspired mm. by these Bundesliga teams. You know, we've got the whole 50 plus one rule. Yeah. You know, I think St. Pauli is probably yeah, I love them. similar branding and stuff. Yeah. So it's really cool. And again, a club that loads of people know way more about than they should because of the level they actually play at in Germany. We stole their tunnel idea. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier, yeah. the tunnel, yeah. Loved it. Yeah, so that's like, that, talking about the tunnel idea because you're, you're trying to create that quiet, intimidating atmosphere, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, so um, you know, people are like, you've copied St. Paul. I was like, yeah, I have, I have. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> you should you should be inspired by good ideas. As soon as I saw their tunnel, I was like, that's great. So, yeah, we just graf- we made our tunnel black. We graffitied it. We uh, have the red down lights in. And then I've got, like, this kind of hardcore heavy metal playlist that comes in. So people come in, it's just like, rah. What, like, do, do the players ever talk about that? Because, like, what if you're a player for, for our Bedford, but you, like, hate heavy metal? Like, is that an issue? No, because they they, lo- they love it because it's me. Okay, so, so and, get and, and, yeah, and they, they just, you know, they want to support that. And they get in the dressing room and they put on whatever nonsense is they're listening to now. But Have you seen any increase in home win percentage since you in- introduced the tunnel? Uh, Well, the... <laughs> I can't say we have. You've seen like, an increase in everything. Yeah, so every, you know, you, we've just got a very. We've got you know, back to back potential this year. We've got a high win, win rate. Um, what you do see is sometimes teams uh, bottle it in the first ten minutes, but that could be the fact that they've turned up and they felt intimidated. They're coming against the top of the league. It just hasn't worked. Other teams, have, you know, we've lost at home to teams that we wouldn't expect to. Maybe they've come in and said, "Bollocks to this, we're going to have it with you." Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I don't actually know. I can't say if it makes a difference. I just want to have a football club that's a bit different. Yeah, every identity. club's the same. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, what do they say? Us. They say stealing from one, uh, copying from one person is stealing. Copying from a thousand people is inspiration or something like that. Like, like, like literally everything I've ever done on YouTube has been a rehash of another idea. There is no new ideas. Yeah, you know, like, I, I'm it, happy with that. I, I mean, okay. I think St. Paul is brilliant. What they've done, I love their branding, and absolutely they've inspired us. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll go sometime. Actually, I want. I think we should make friends with them. Yeah, 100%. they're a team we should be linked with. You should be. I mean, we got uh, we got to play at Dulwich Hamlet this year away, which Great. was uh, our record attendance at non-league games, three and a half thousand people. And but it's more than that. Everything they do as a club is what resonates with me as a person. Like their anti-fascism, anti-homophobia, all this stuff. They when we sat down after one year of non-league and we had like an internal because we got to remember like we came out of nowhere like we were literally me and my mates playing football suddenly we're in non-league we never even stopped to think about like what we actually are mm. as a team like who are we what why are we it was just something i wanted to do that powered it all so we had to think those things and we sat down in a room and i was like just looked at dulwich hamlet i said i want to be like them like they, they do things the right way they're trying to be a force for good in football they're super like non they're very uh uh, representational and inclusive and uh, obviously they had a women's football team and that was one of the reasons I wanted to get into women's football and all this stuff like you got to find those teams and if you can make friends with them great but certainly like the idea that someone would be annoyed with someone copying another team because they're doing things the right way is mm. it's silly in business yeah. it happens all the time look if people want to copy us I mean, look there's been like I say there's three or four other bitcoin teams they've all reached out to us said we're thinking of do this doing this can we jump on a corner I say yeah I tell them exactly what we've done how we've done it. I tell them the challenges they're going to have. And yeah, w- one of the teams even came over to watch a game and the two of the guys flew over. Nice. And you know, yeah, we'll help them. We'll help anyone. If anyone wants ideas or us, copy us or want to know what we're up to, yeah, give us a shout. I mean, yeah. 
It's uh, we can all learn from each other. What I like about it was I learned it myself when I came when we we played you guys. It's like smashed us. Well, yeah, but this this women's football is even in the same league last year. We were playing teams we were winning 10, 12, 13 nil. Like that's that's started to level out the level we've got to now. We're not like we played London, we're playing London Bees again this weekend. We played them twice already because we played them in the quarterfinal of the National League Cup uh, two weeks ago. And like they are dead bottom of our league. They haven't won a game this season and we Mm. only just beat them. Like whereas last year, and you know, we're in the top of our league. Top versus bottom was 10 goals. Like you could say before the game started, there will be 10 goals deficit between the home and away team. Or the, the, the best and the worst team. Guaranteed. That third tier, it just isn't like that. How tight is it at the top? Well, we lost to Portsmouth the other day, which uh, in their place, which was a big blow. And they just beat Ipswich on the weekend. So we're three points behind them, but they've got two games in hand. Okay. And um, we don't play them again. So realistically, for and you have to obviously win the league to go up. Yeah. So for us to go up now, we'd either need a complete collapse from Portsmouth. We still have to win all our remaining games, and we have some tough ones. And, or, sorry, it would require Portsmouth not to get a licence, which would be interesting. But it's never happened before. No one's ever won yeah. Tier 3 and not been given a licence. But let me tell you, the and it's very linked to the conversation we're having today, actually. It's something that you'll no doubt have to go through at some point. It is um, a very interesting process. Like... I don't want to go after anyone, accuse anyone of putting up the time, but there's a lot of gatekeeping going on. It's all about in- interpretation of where women's football is. They believe, and, and I think many, many people will say they're right about this. You know, I've got thoughts on all of this. Yeah, the best mm. way to grow the women's game, because you've got them so different to the men's game. The men's game is so established. They've had such big TV deals for so long. The women's game is still trying to get these huge TV deals. And they have obviously got record of deal last time, but they want to grow it, grow it, grow it. So from a sales perspective, you've got to remember, the TV, there's less games, 12 teams in every league, 22 league games. They need the product to be the best it can be. And for whatever reason, they interpret that as it looks better on TV when there's crowds there, which obviously makes sense. So when they see a team like us who don't have the biggest crowds, certainly not, you've got to remember, we're com- it's not like the men. We're competing with like Portsmouth, mm. Ipswich, MK Dons. You know, last year, um, clubs like AFC Wimbledon, like huge football clubs that have been around 100 years, that have thousands, thousands, tens of thousands of people going to their men's team games. They have such a large catchment of people they can get to go to their women's games what are you getting at the moment we get like less than 100 on average yeah. at women's games um which you know is not, is not what they want ultimately in the league so it, it's sort of made very clear to you that like they don't really want you to go up sort of thing and there's a lot of teams in that what have they got in the license that stops that there is uh a, they want to work towards an average of a thousand they want teams to be working towards an average of a thousand uh fans at a game yeah but that, that's, that's just not, bollocks yeah it's working towards this is my yeah. argument is essentially it's a box ticking exercise yeah. what they have in the license though is a lot of other things that are you know trying to get people to understand it's not just like our men's team going up it's actually like our men's team going to league one overnight like that's what the promotion is it's like you have to spend like i'm not going to name the name but there's a team in the championship league above us who are looking that like, there's a very good chance they get relegated this year and their budget's a million pounds just for their women's team like, I'm not going to go into detail here what our women's budget is, but let's just say it is it's not, not even in the same ballpark, <laughs> right? So, Ugh. like, ultimately, you're you're being asked as an independent club to risk the future of your club to go up, yep. which for me isn't how it should work. You know, if if Luton, good example, because not for a million miles from you, were only allowed to go up to the Prem when they were Prem ready, they wouldn't be allowed to go. They wouldn't be allowed to go up. The stadium wasn't. The Bournemouth stadium wasn't up to scratch when they went up. Like there's loads of things that. And women's game, there is no tolerance. There is no. You get a year to do this because they yeah. want it to be this super slick TV package. They don't care about the fact that you know our Instagram numbers dwarf a lot of WSL clubs. Spence, listen, I've got some thoughts on this. So, like you, I've I, honestly, I love the women's game. Now. Like I, I had no exposure to the women's game before we did this. 
and now I go to every game like the men's like you do yeah. and I'm just as annoyed when we lose either, either or and and the games are different right yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the two sets of squads are very different but I love it and I I think a football club is a men's and ladies team and boys and girls structure right but I've seen so many own goals on the ladies side they did it this season with the FA Cup when they announced the increase of sponsorship halfway through the competition yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like come on do you think we don't know what's going on there mm. you think we don't know that wasn't already agreed and we also know that you could have equally distributed that amongst all the teams that are in it. That's gatekeeping my money to the higher teams. It's never going to be. It's never going to end well. My worry is this new code they're doing is they're trying to accelerate the growth of the women's game so quickly they're almost going to create this um, this this kind of like wealth divide yeah, in, in the be, league 100%. Where, where teams just cannot compete. And so it is you, it not to use the word because obviously the top flight is called the women's super league, but it is what they're doing is super league in the sense of what the men's game yeah. tried to do. They're creating a us and them. They want. They don't want Real Bedford. They don't want hashtag. Yeah. They want. But we're at the same level as Newcastle United. So Newcastle yeah. need to go up. They're in the Northern League. So they want Newcastle up. They want all these teams I've just mentioned that we're beating. Like we beat Southend United seventeen nil. Like that's. I always mention that one because Southend. I literally was born in a house that overlooks their ground. That's the club that I grew up with, right? And it's mad to me that we can beat them. Like and that's you know we've beaten Norwich eight nil. Like the Norwich, right? They've got all the Premier League, you know, parachute money, all the money they could spend on the women's team. And my team that I made from nothing. Beat them 8-0 or whatever. Yes, they knocked us out of the FA Cup this year, yep. but we had about 28 shots to their one. The point is, that's going to change. Fast forward five to ten years, it will be, by design, a very similar to look into the Premier League top league, and it will be very similar to look into the Championship in terms of the teams that are in there. You know, you've got teams like Lewis. Uh, you've got teams like um, Durham, mm. London City Lionesses, independent clubs in the Women's Championship. They won't be there. Yeah, They're not going to be the next few years. And that's a shame because one of the things that attracted me to women's football is the chance to reimagine the status quo based on the people that care, not based on the who's got the most money. Well, they set the standard with what they did with Man United. Yeah, of course, yeah. Which was well, even absolute... West Ham got, to, we talked about it with Jack. He got, they got to jump two divisions yes, because they had the right disgrace. business standard. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, where I differ on it is I think if a club is doing everything right, because I think the league should have double the amount of teams in it. I know there's yeah. arguments about travel and stuff but like if you really want to get all these teams in just make the women's championship and the super league one league with 24 teams or 20 teams whatever you want to do and then let everyone be part of the puzzle because that's the uniqueness of it it's a brand new thing that's only really been taken properly the, the, the seriousness it deserves in the last sort of five years and let's celebrate that by not punishing the people who've been doing it properly since before then but didn't the menu thing when they gave menu the uh, wsl status cost someone their promotion was well it... the, the famous one i remember and i don't want to get the club wrong was it billericke no, it wasn't, I don't think it was Billy Rick. I, I know, I think it was, was it Bristol? There was a team that was a women's Super League team that ended up dropping at least one, if not two divisions based on a licence. Yeah. Like not getting a licence and they were in the Super League by merit. Swindon, I can't remember who it was now. Someone in the comments will know. But um, yeah, this is the problem. But women, women's football is quite franchised, franchisee and all the things that we sort of, you know, there is examples. I mean, we were able to do it, right? We, we There was a club called AFC Basildon that was the best team in Essex that were on their on their knees a little bit because their chairman had gone and they had no money and they had a relegation and they were not looking like they were going to get back to where they'd earned their place on merit. So we were able to team up with them, right place, right time, all for the right reasons and help that team get back to where it belonged, which we did. Yeah. Um, equally, in our league this year, you've got Chatham. So last year, Chatham were Gillingham, Gillingham Town. Support was pulled from the men's team. So they were able to rebrand as Chatham, another part of Kent. Um, Coventry, who beat us in the FA Cup last year, not, not affiliated with Coventry City, Coventry United, got relegated from the championship. This year they reformed as Rugby Borough. If that happened in the men's game, it was only happened once, right? It was AFC Wimbledon. Yep. And, well, not AFC Wimbledon, Wimbledon to MK Dons. And um, 
there was outrage and it was almost like, I think it was like even put into some sort of government like law that it couldn't be done again yeah. in England. <laughs> Whereas in the women's game, they allow it and their argument is because it's best for the women's game. And, I, and I'm on board with it if no one's losing from it, let's say to speak. Well, sometimes I'm like, are you talking about, is this best for the women's game or is this best for the top 12 teams in the yeah. women's game yeah. or 24 you know, I feel like some of the behavior is a little bit like this European Super League behavior. Like, mm. I think it it's is. heading towards there. And I think you could get to a point where teams just can't break into it. And it's 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 a it's a closed group. And I just think that'll be bad for the game. No, it I think it sends a bad message. It sends a bad message to players. It's very similar to what's happened in esports, right? So in esports, we've won it a couple of times, actually. The EPL, the E-Premier League. It's the FIFA gaming version of the Premier League. And obviously they want to emulate the real life Premier League. So there's 20 teams in the Premier League. And even so, obviously everything the Premier League's voted for. So 14 of the 20 teams have to vote for anything to change. And um, they vote to have this in favour of this EPL. What it means is when they say to win the E-Premier League this year, you have to be a Premier League team. So for example, hashtag United could never enter it. What we did is we loaned players to Tottenham or to Bournemouth to whoever, and they won it in their kit, but they're contracted to us. What you're doing is you're basically making certain teams playing something they don't want to be in. There's Premier League teams that literally don't care about esports. They don't want it. And so they go, oh, we have to do it because it's been voted for. So just give it to a competition winner. And you've got all these amazing orgs. We're just one of them. There's loads of others. They're doing everything right. They just get the door closed on them. And it's like, how does that make competitive sense? Yeah. But so don't, you like, don't you like being the, like the underdog as well sometimes and just fight these people? Well, I do. I do. I don't like fighting people for the sake of it. I do like sort of championing the... the, the well, I obviously I'm, we're going to be biased and people are always going to say we're biased and we're arguing for what we're in favour of. But I don't think it's that. It's that actually I've made a club that is the direct image of the way I feel about sport. So when I say those same things publicly, I'm not saying them to protect my club. My club's like that because that's how I am. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm just I'm just being consistent. And I just think that, you know, what it does to me is it sometimes it makes me think differently. Like when we joined non-league, we had to think about whether we even wanted to join non-league because we had an opportunity not to, you know, we'd, we'd been pretty successful never being in a league. So what we, we knew we couldn't keep playing in the team as individuals. We're getting older and stuff, but there was other ways I could have reinvented the team. You look at things like, you know, Kings league in Spain and all these things. We had ideas like that. We were doing things called the next level league that weren't dissimilar. And we even had investment lined up for that. We ultimately joined non-league because I'm a fanboy of, of yeah. the non-league. I love promotion and that idea of it. But you know, there is a world outside of it where you can exist. And there's also a world within non-league where you don't have to build a business that is reliant on promotions. You know, our our business suffers every time we get promoted because our costs double yeah. and the sponsors don't. Because we're not at a level where going up a league changes the story that exponentially. It's not like, you know, we're suddenly Wrexham, we've got into the EFL where the TV money comes in and it just yeah. goes crazy. We just lose more money when we go up. So we're doing it off, off like just sporting desire. And when I see things like what we're experiencing with the Women's League at the moment, and we have to go for this license application, I just think, do we even want to go up? Because obviously I want to go up as yeah, a competitive man, but is it going to harm the club? Because we're getting made to do these things that aren't... If I, if I won that league, I say I, if Hashtag Women won that league, it would be a direct result of people like our manager and everyone involved in the club doing an incredible job. Obviously the players with way less budget than the other teams. We're not buying any leagues. We never have. But this year, even less so, we have like nowhere near the highest budget. We'd be made to change our whole model overnight from a money ball system to you have to spend way more money than you've ever spent before. Just to be, not, not because you'll go down if you don't, because we won't let you in if you don't. But you'll do it. You'll find a way. Well, we could find a way, but you have to, you have to sort of... It's just headaches. You think about the identity yeah. of your club, though. How, how, how linked is it to other people's rules? Like, 
and what is the what are we trying to achieve and this is like literally my sort of stream of consciousness i don't have an answer like are we because if everything we've done comes from youtube right and you get these amazing people that come up to you and say thanks for making these videos you know you genuinely mm. give me something to watch and all that you think well that's what we do then really isn't it like obviously we're going to win games that's what we like to aim towards but if we can't do that anymore because we made a decision based on ego to go to that league and we ran out of money because let's be honest right if we got to women's championship our sponsors aren't going up anywhere near the level that the costs will. What's the cost? What's the base cost? Well, they say, so obviously it's full time, right? Yeah. So you have to, you have to train a minimum of 15 hours a week, every uh -huh. player. That's minimum and minimum and minimum wage. So I, I run a rough, rough um, estimate on it. I don't think you could reach the minimums in that league without spending at least 600 grand. Right. Yeah. But then there's teams that are looking like they're going to get relegated to spend a million. Mm. So that's not just the costs of it. Aren't just related to the training there's certain people you have to employ and they have a minimum wage you have to pay yeah. them, a general manager, a marketing manager, all these things. You know, your ground has to have certain, obviously ground grading that is extreme, like National League level minimum really, but then no no time to catch up like you get in the National League. Like We could go to the National League South and the men's team and apart from ground grading, nothing really changes. Yeah. No one makes you do anything. Yeah. So if we want to go, well, we're not paying players anyway, everyone else pays and, we work, and it works for us, we're just doing it better than everyone yeah, else. Yeah, I just, what, I don't get why they've done this. It, it, you know, you don't want to gatekeep stuff and you don't want to have this kind of wealth divide between clubs and, and other teams not be able to get there. You know, I think it's ultimately destructive. Like the the power of the football, the power of uh, our football and the, is the league structure. If you go out to America, you know what American sports are like. It's socialist, right? Yeah. It's a flat yeah. structure. There's no pre uh, promotion and relegation. Once you get them into our football and you explain to them promotion and relegation, they love it. Yeah. They love that idea. Like, what do you mean you go up? What, you pay bigger tickets? That's incredible. And they love that. What they're doing is essentially removing that layer. Yeah. They've done it in rugby. They did it in rugby. Like Bedford, where I'm from, they can't get in the Premier League. Uh, by the way, I don't know a lot about rugby, but I know they can't get in the Premier League because the size of the stadium, they want 10,000 seat stadiums. Mm. And and yeah, Bedford doesn't have that. But that is, that's a barrier. That's a barrier yeah. to entry for a team that could get it through meritocracy because the business is right and they pick the right players. This all should be, like, it should be a meritocracy. I understand certain ground gradings, right? I totally get that. But the, I don't even think the average uh, attendance in rugby is above yeah. uh, 10,000. Well, so it doesn't make sense. This, this one will blow your mind. Yeah. So they have a rule in women's football, which is, because obviously, say, this is Arsenal, for example. They play yeah. their games at Boreham Wood, right? So they, they'll play a certain amount of games a year in the Emirates, and that's a rule. They have to. Yeah. And obviously, they do it right. They pick the right game. They'll end up getting loads of... Uh, 30, 40,000 people. St. James's Park has had like yeah. 40,000 people watching a women's game. This is unbelievable mm. and it's great for the game. Love Everyone's it. free. Yeah, sometimes the tickets will be free or they'll be one pound or whatever. It doesn't make a lot of financial sense, but it doesn't matter because it's great for the women's game. We all are on board. So the championship has the same rule. So you have to have, I think it's two games a year in a, what's the word they use? Not professional stadium, arena stadium or something like that. So women, our women currently play at Aveley. So non-league, national league graded ground. Um, that wouldn't qualify, right? So, it's not like we own the Emirates yeah. and our men play there and our women don't play there. They're going, well, you have to play in an arena stadium. So this is a team who has an average home attendance of 100 people, women's football. Where they're like, we'd have to hire Roots Hall twice a year. So to, re to meet their requirements, we'd have to go to a local team like Southend with an EFL grounded grade and hire it so 100 people oh. could sit in Roots Hall. How is that good for the game? Because the money it costs us to rent that stadium is coming out of somewhere else. Yeah. So it's not going to the girls. So it's not going, do you know what I mean? Like that is, I get it. If you're a Premier League team and you've got Premier League ground, 
make them play in it because it's great and they're going to get people in there. But anyone could look at our club and know that's not going to result in you getting more people in there. And that's why they don't want us in there. Yeah, look, I think it comes from a place of good intention. It does, it does, it does. But I just think you've got to keep the meritocracy in sport. Yeah. And also, you've got, you, you can't have too much of a separation between the men's and the women's game in terms of the rules and the structure. Because if you do that, you're saying fundamentally they're different sports and they're not. They should have exactly the same structure. Yeah. And you know what? Those teams who invest, like you who've done it, you should be rewarded for it. And those who've chosen not to shouldn't. And I, sorry, I still don't think Man U should have gone straight in the WSL. But the reality is we're not going to be able to keep doing what we're doing, no. right? So eventually we won't. This is why we should be allowed to just win it on merit because eventually the money will come into the game. And you're like, well, our budget right now, if, if all the team with the money start spending at women's football, which they yeah. don't, but I think it's going to be a rule eventually. I think Premier League teams will be asked to spend like 1% of their revenue on women's football or something, and it will be enough to get them to the top. If everyone starts doing that, hashtag will level out in like the fifth or sixth tier probably, because well, there'll be too know, many big you teams. you don't know where hashtag itself will be. Well, no, of course, I'm talking yeah. about current budgets. Yeah. Current budgets, like, you know, when you consider that the teams are only 12-team leagues, yeah. we'll end up being way lower than we are. We're shooting way above our weight because big teams aren't spending. And I say it all the time. I actually challenge these teams. I say, we shouldn't be beating you 8-0. You're, you've got a men's team in the Premier League or the Championship. You should be beating us. And I, if I was just looking out for hashtag, I would never say that. I'd just keep it quiet and hope we can keep doing it. But I want to see the women's game grow. It's so sad that as soon as a men's team have any sort of financial trouble, the first thing that goes is the women's team. They cut it. Yeah. I mean, well, imagine if when Hummelwall fell apart for us, I'd just gone, right, sack the women's team off. Yeah. Imagine. Well, we just have two separate budgets. Yeah, and luckily we we got a separate sponsor this year that paid, you know, that enabled us to do what we did. But I was worried at the start of the season because I set the goal. I said to the manager, uh, "I want you to win the league. Tell me what you need." And again, he told us. Um, but Luton got in the Premier League, and Luton in our division. Now they're not fully linked. It's weird. Right. It's one of those ones where it's kind of they're that, kind yeah. of linked, but they're not the same thing. But they have the same badge. But 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 I just thought Luton will go plow loads of money. Look. It, 20 grand is going to win you that league like that. And how much are Luton getting for going into the Premier League? Yeah, 100 mil. 100 yeah. mil. So they could have easily said, go on, here's 20 grand, just get yourself promoted. Or can we acquire you? Can we merge you? And they just didn't. I mean, I luckily know. for us, because they could have done it and you know, we couldn't have outspent them. Um, and I'm always surprised by it. I mean, we've got Stevenage in our league. Um, I like Stevenage, it's a good club. I, you know, I know one of the directors well. Again, I was worried about them putting just a bit of money in. You don't have to put much money no. into a tier five ladies team to get them up to four, and even from four to three, I think it gets a lot harder there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just amazed they don't do it. In us doing it, I think we get that money back in them coming to our games anyway, coming to the men's games mm. as well. So I just don't get the logic. Well, people are amazed. Like one of our uh, fan favorite players this year, Sasha Adamson, moved to Fulham, right. and she's playing in Craven Cottage. Great player, scoring loads of goals. And to the outside looking in, that's an amazing move, right? Hashtag to Fulham. And it is, I'm really happy for her and like, good luck to her. But she's gone two divisions lower. This is the bit that people don't understand. Mm. Like Fulham, the Fulham, are two divisions below Hashtag United. You know? And I, I think it's amazing to be able to play for a club like that and you know, do those things and play in Premier League stadiums. It's great. But they are two divisions below us. Like, there is a reality to women's football, which is just uncanny. And they are, that is going to go. That will, it will just become a mirror of the men's game. I yeah. think it's I, almost... Um, Almost unavoidable now. Really. Yeah. But uh, going back to the men, how have you found step three? Because everyone I've spoke to have said that's the biggest jump. One of the biggest jumps you'll go through is four to three. The big, I think the big change is everyone has money yeah. because well, most teams have money because the gates are so much bigger. So yeah. That's the thing. Like we're just getting over a thousand people away games like every week now. Whereas you could easily go away away team in step four and have a hundred people there still. Yeah. So like that's the big change. There's more money for sure. The money at the top end of the league is crazy compared to what it was before. 
Uh, it doesn't have to make sense. You know, me and you are trying to make clubs make sense. You yeah. make a budget and you're a hole in it. You go, okay, I need to fill that hole. How can I do it? They're like happy with the holes. <laughs> they yeah. don't care about the holes. They just make the holes bigger as long as we get to this league because it's mostly rich guys or whoever that just want to get well, to that league <coughs> to say they've done it. Yeah. Well, the money's coming from all kinds of places. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about it on here. But like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to make any kind of sense. Yeah. And that is frustrating. And I think that is why, if I was to use my, my crystal ball and look forward five years from now in a world where maybe SC Dons have got a non-league team and, you know, Farnham are doing what Farnham are doing and you guys are climbing and all that stuff, I think teams like us will all end up levelling out around there personally. I'm not saying you can't yeah, yeah. keep going. I think you've got, you've got maybe some of the most potential to get that better revenue model. But for people like us that are based on who watches the YouTube videos and obviously the nature of the beast is the longer we go, the less novel it is because more people are doing it. So you have to find new ways to keep that audience happy. I can see us all being sort of step-free teams and hopefully with big fan bases that go over a long period of time. It takes decades to get that up. That we, we wouldn't meet in step three, would we? It'd be step two if we Yeah, actually... I think you'd go into the Southern League, wouldn't you? Yeah, we'd yeah. go to Southern, yeah, Southern Prem. So. Yeah, which is weird because we would in the women's game. Yeah. Because, well, yeah, if, obviously it's the whole Southern area of step three, but even step four, I think we'd have been in the same league probably, South East, because we used to play against Stevenage in our league. Um yeah, it seems like that. But you need a stadium, though, don't right? we? Do that's way yeah. more important than any more promotions for us now. Getting the ground thing sorted. Have you ever thought of adding a location to the name, becoming like London hashtags or Essex? Hashtags? Yeah, no, I've hundred percent thought about it. I think um, in the short term, like for example, I won't name names, but there was a ground that came available potentially it was a team we used to be in the league of, and it's sort of in London, like the Tube Network. It's not a million miles from here. Mm. It's technically still Essex. But like that's the uniqueness we have is we can. You'd obviously want to always be within a sort of Bedford area. Yeah, yeah. We could go 20 miles here and there if it, if it makes sense to the club because there's no one stopping us, basically. Yeah, yeah. And uh, our fans aren't even from any area, so they don't they wouldn't even see it as a negative. So this opportunity came up and I was like, that would be where you'd put like London in the name because it appeals to still a really wide audience. Mm. Your brand can still be a global brand. And it's not, it always baffles me how few teams have the word London in their name. I know, name. what's the highest placed team with London in their name? Well, there's London City Lionesses in the women's game, which is the champ, which is championship. We've got London Lions in our division. Yeah, so in the men's game, it might be them. Honestly, it's, 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 it's I'd, I'd weird. I'd take it. Yeah, you've also got even like Essex. There's only really one team I can think of Essex in it, which is West Essex, who used to be in their league. Like, obviously, people want generally to have a catchment name that is smaller and more, mm. but it depends what your overall pitch is. If your pitch is like ours, is everyone can watch us. Yeah. And London is better or Wessex or whatever. So I've always thought about that. I didn't need to do it. I've never needed to do it at any point. Yep. We wanted to maintain the brand that got us the support in the first place. But I've always been open to any kind of name change that improves the club. So it's not like we're putting us fork in the ground and going, we'll never change our name because fuck mm. you. We just don't need to and haven't. there's never been a good business argument for it. You know, one of the things we have talked about with certain clubs, and I've, I've got a really abstract idea for this that I'll probably pitch in a future podcast down the line. But... Um, one of the ways we could beat the system and get a ground without sort of just leveraging all the club and putting it in loads of debt would be to do a merger with yeah. another club. And I think there could be opportunities for mergers. And with the right merger, there would be a name brand change. It's just making sure it's the right one. And you, Is, isn't there a rule like you you have to, if you merge two teams, you have to be in the lower division? The lower the, league, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's one of the biggest obstacles to mergers. So really, if you're really worried about that, then you can only merge with teams you're in the same league as. Yeah. And you have to submit the merger before December for it to be in place for the next season. So yeah. even then there's a gamble. What if one of us goes down? Yeah. So you agreed a merger. Say we were in the same league and we agreed a merger in December and then one of us went down, we'd both go down. Because Berry did it, didn't they? Uh, did they merge or did they come back as a Phoenix? I thought they, I thought they merged. 
Um, there was a merger between the two berries. I mean, they get aren't they getting like crowds of five thousand? You mean berries in up north berry? Yeah, yeah. I think they they were a Phoenix club oh, and they? they died and came the same as Macclesfield. I think they became AFC Berry or what have you. Macclesfield became Maxwell Town became Macclesfield FC. There's loads of mergers around here. There's billions of examples. I mean, Bowers and Pitsy, where we play, was Bowers and Pitsy. Uh, Malden and Tiptree was Malden and Tiptree. It's very very common way. The, the difference with mergers I find is that usually, and this isn't you know always. But usually it's two teams that are struggling. And it's like, okay, we haven't got the resources we need. If we pull resources, mm -hmm. everyone's a winner. We're not struggling. We're just trying to beat the system. Like, I've got all these teams. We played a team called South Park this year in the FA Cup, South Park Rygate. And they had this really good facility, 4G pitch, second 4G next to it, huge grass pitches everywhere, all the youth team player. And they told us in the committee room afterwards that they, their rent is £1 a year. <laughs> right? And not only that, it's all protected. It's in like the yep. uh, King Charles Trust or whatever. They're going to be given it next year or whatever it is. Like, uh, I might, if I've quoted you wrong, I apologize, but it's something on that yeah. ballpark. Um, we're never going to get that. Yep. We're just too uh, too late. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't, no one's given away Green Park, you know, uh, Green Belt, sorry, Green Belt areas. Certainly not areas that can be developed. You know, Averley, where our women play, they had a ground. They'd been in there a number of years. They had an opportunity to sell that ground to have, um, you know, flats or houses built there, take that money, you know, millions and millions and millions of pounds, build one of the best non-league grounds in the country and have money left over. Like, we're never... The only way we're ever going to get something like that is if someone that's a fan leaves us something when they die, which does happen to non-league yeah. clubs, but our problem, most of our fans are 60 years away from death. Yeah. <laughs> um, not, that's not a problem, that's a good thing. We love your yeah. fans. And then the other thing is, is yeah, for a merger. That was, that's our version of beating the system. It's going to a club, rather than... Let's merge with a club when, you know, we're down on our knees. Let's find another team that's flying. We're flying. Let's become a super club. So we go like divisions beyond what either team could achieve on our own. You've got what we need, i.e. a stadium, maybe a good fan base already, you know. And what we can come in is we can bring a whole new business model to the club overnight. We can put all our media, you know, against your club and it becomes one club. That is something I'm interested in exploring. It's just, it's very specific sort of variables. So a lot has got a line to make that yeah. work as well. The biggest yeah. challenge we'll have will be the merging clubs, like fan base and the history of that club. Because the minute you merge, you, you change the history of that club forever. Yeah. When you look look at step three, where you are now, and, you know, the season you're having at the moment, do you do you look at it and still think, look, we can do it next year, we can do it this year? Like, yeah, well, how far play, away do you playoffs think? Playoffs are very, they're not mathematically beyond us, but it'd be a bit, bit, bit ludicrous to think we're going to do it now, I think. But do you look at it and go next season, we think we can have a go, or do you think you've found the level? I think we I think we might have got playoffs this year if we didn't suffer horrendous injuries at Christmas. So uh -huh. we lost five five starting players all of January. Our worst ever run of games ever. What was it? Six games, seven games without a win. Right. Never had that before. One, one in eight, I think. But previous to that, we'd had 10 unbeaten. And we were right on the playoffs and we just lost both centre mids, centre back, striker and our winger went to Bully Love Island again. Right. So, <laughs> so half the team gone. Yeah. Obviously the lads have come in and have done fantastic to be honest because we didn't even really deserve to lose half the, those games and they're young. We're a young side. Our plan wasn't to push for promotion this year in terms of the money we've spent but we always felt we could money ball it and get in the playoffs maybe. Mm. Well, first year at step four was the same. We started off quite poor, just to the level, we ended up finishing eighth, just missing out in the playoffs. I think we'll end up finishing around midpoint this year. But if we hadn't had the injuries, I think we'd either been in the playoffs or just outside. Again, young young squad, a lot of our squad never played this level before. So whatever happens, even if we finish bottom of the league, it's still our best ever finish because we're mm. a new height. 
But reality is we won't go down, I don't think. We'll sit in the middle somewhere and then our aim will be next year to finish higher than that. And if we finish in around 10th, 9th, 8th, which would be amazing, then higher than that, you're very close to the playoffs. Mm. The, t- the money spent in this league, like I know you, when you're planning your budgets because you've got somewhere you want to be, you're thinking about how can I you know, be competitive and try and win that league or get in the playoffs. We're at a point now where we can't think like that anymore. We're mm. at a point now where we're... How do we, what guarantees, as much as anything guarantees safety, make sure we don't go down. And then what sort of squad can we put together in a money ball system whereby we underspend but over deliver and maybe end up in the playoffs? Look, and there's teams that do it. I mean, Northley and Bedford Towns League, they don't have a budget anywhere near, near Bedford Town. They're up there competing. Yeah, it's doable. And so it's doable. Oh, no, but that's step four. I'm but the, dif- the difference three, yeah. is if you Sorry, have the money, like, I'll use Hornchurch as an example, yeah. they're probably going to win our league this year. They have spent big money for many years and they've missed out. They've lost the playoffs. They've you know just just narrowly missed out a number of years. If they keep spending that money, they will 100% go up. Whether it's this year, next year, year after, they will be a National League South side. Well, that's what Wrexham did. They eventually got them. Yeah, exactly. If you've yeah. got the money and you, it's like you know, you're in the casino and you go on red and you lose, you double it again. You lose, you double it again. You can't lose money as long as you can keep putting it in. Mm. Um, we're never going to do that at this level. Unless something changes, we have big investment and we change our tactics. We're going to, if we go up, it will be like an unbelievable achievement whenever we do do it. I think we probably will do it eventually, but it could be next year. It could be in five years. Do you, do you care? How much do you care about your equity? Like, would you happily dilute and have investors in just to establish and make the club established and sustainable? And yeah, I've last, said this yeah. in the podcast before. I'm like actively interested in it. The, the I wouldn't do it to get to a league. Yeah, because I'm happy where we are. Like, but to get a stadium or something, hundred percent. Anything yeah. that I can't do or the current ownership can't do. It just clearly kicks us on. If it's the right people and they have the right ideas in mind and they're not just people, oh, if we come in, we can make you worth this much in a few years and then we can all sell and make loads of money. Like, yeah. That's not why I'm in it. Yeah. So, Because I'm like that. I don't yeah. care about the... I've got it 100% at the moment. I don't care if I end up with 0%. I'd like to run it. I'd yeah. like some protections in there. As long as we achieve certain things, I, I continue to run it. But it's not. you're not in it for the money. No, that's the impression I got when I when I came to your ground as well. Like he's in, talking to you in the bar and stuff afterwards. Like you can just see the passion. That's yeah. what I like, and that's what weirdly a lot of non-league clubs don't actually have. That is quite strange because it is a hobby for most people, mm. and they're putting a lot of time and effort into it, and they're just miserable. Yeah, and you just think, why'd you do it? Yeah, like yeah, we, when we were talking in the bar, we'd just beaten you fairly yeah. comfortably, but you understand the context of everything. You're new on your journey. We had we were quite ahead of you in the women's league at the time in, in the pyramid, so it was an inevitable result. It wasn't like if you'd beaten us eight 0 I would have been miserable because yeah. it should never have happened. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause the levels we were at, it's different. Yeah. So having that realism, having that understanding and knowing that it's like, I think you mentioned it earlier when you say you're looking at a division at a time, like our job as chairman, whatever you want to call us owners of clubs is not to worry about individual results is to put good people in positions. If they are no longer good people, you have to make tough decisions, but you let them worry about that. And I'm looking like you say, not just one season. I'm thinking sometimes I overdo this, I think, and I maybe worry too much or I, I make, too many projections as to what's going to happen in two, three, four, five years times when you should just enjoy the journey a bit more because that is why we do it, mm. right? We could both be doing other stuff that would probably, well, we'll definitely make more money yeah. and would like not be as, <laughs> as frustrating at times. But uh, we love we love running football clubs. Have you had to fire any managers? I've never done it. No, it's not. It's, 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 it's yeah, new, it's, it'll be a new experience when I, if I ever do it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the worst. Is that, you had yeah, to do it. I, yeah. yeah, just in taking over, you had, you know, you wanted to make some changes and, I mean, um, uh, we've got two great managers at the moment, uh, Georgia on the on the ladies and uh, Sinks on the men's side. But um, you you had to make those changes to deliver the vision of what we had, get the right people in, and it's oh, it's rubbish. And these were people that you inherited. 
Yeah, 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 and good people. You know, good people have done a good job, but we were looking for that step change, and it's it, honestly, it's rubbish. So you've had the same guy. Yes, yeah, so I only appointed one. That was yeah. Devs because I mean, someone I knew before hashtag and like what an appointment it was. Ultimately, like he's got us all the way. He's got where he's got to, and he's, he's crushed it. Yeah, and he's he, ultimately people don't remember or know that he dropped out of. He was at National League South side when he right. joined us. So like, it wasn't this is this is a level he's very familiar with. Um, and then Jason, we did inherit, but like Jason uh, Stevens on the women's side was part of the people that had kept that club alive when mm. the chairman had left. So it was a no brainer, and he's done an unbelievable job as well you know not only has he got us up to step to the third tier we're challenging in the in the third tier against teams way bigger than us so i've never even had an uh, any sort of thought in my mind about changing anything mm. but inevitable if i'm successful at running a club it will be something i have to do at some point because it's just the nature of the beast yeah but i don't look forward to it and my with both managers my preference would be that it would be a uh, if it ever happens something that they choose to do rather than me. But it doesn't <laughs> work. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I, I notice you've also got all your family involved, which is I always think is a good thing. I don't know if you know my dad's the kit man. Yeah, for men, men's and ladies, he nice. does both. Um, my, my son's away in Africa at the moment, but he he you know he helps down at the bar. My daughter comes down. My sister does. My that's, brother's that's all, a all secretary. About. Well, it's, it's people you can get to kind of do stuff for free as well oh well, yeah 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 ultimately yeah, I mean, my dad so the reason i have any links to non-league is through my dad as yeah. a physio that's how i knew devs everyone from his time at physio so obviously he came in as a physio uh when we, even when we were doing youtube games but then uh he's now co-chairman with me and, and a man called Derek pearson who f formed the youth team before we merged with them we've now like i found very quickly there were certain chairman's uh responsibilities i wasn't even very good at or i didn't want to do like what? Uh, well, the first one was really like a nature of the beast. So I'd be commentating the games, obviously, in the oh, game. Yeah, so yeah. I wouldn't spend much time in the committee room. And that was a bit of a faux pas. People felt I was unfriendly. I didn't want to meet them. It wasn't that. It was like, look, I've commentated these videos long before we're a non-league team. I enjoy it. I think the audience like me doing it. It's quite a unique thing that the owner of the club commentates. And it's mm -hmm. what my background is. But I equally realised we're not doing a good enough job there. So I need to get people in that would be happy to do that sort of mingling and could do it. So my dad and Derek are perfect for that. Derek has worked with the FA for many years. Um, and then also, like, my dad, he's, he's got a you know, background in running many businesses. So he runs the match day experience now, as Love well it. as the medical side. Derek obviously looks after all the youth side, amongst other things. So we're, we're all complementing each other in areas that the other one doesn't know anything about, really. So... Isn't it mad? I don't think I'd have done. to do. Yeah, that. I wouldn't. I don't know how you do it. I wouldn't be able to do. I wouldn't be able to do this club if I didn't have people like Derek and my dad and others. Well, I know I've got good people. Like my brother, he he does everything on the strategy, the ground grading, infrastructure. Okay. Emma runs the club day to day. You would have met. You would have met yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Again, she's brilliant. Like Will does all the media. Like we're surrounded by really good people who work really. Because the other thing is when you have a club like this, a lot of people just oh, you spend money and it's like. Look, yes, we do. We don't know if we've got the biggest budget, but you, you have got no idea how hard everyone works. Mm. You know, me and Will can be on the phone at 10 at night or me and Emma at 6 in the morning. Everyone works so hard to make this happen. But the mad thing is, I don't think people realise how many little jobs are on a football club. Yeah. Every single day, everything on a match day, everything you have to get ready. <laughs> no, it's true. And it's that's why I think the, on these friends of ours and stuff that we'll get into non-league soon... I think that's the biggest advice I'll give them is like, uh, don't underestimate that part of it. Like, honestly, get your people in place pre non-league so you know. Like, that's where the merger was so good for us because people like Derek and Darren Crowley, who's our uh, secretary, he's got so much work to do. Like, that we inherited them as well and it's amazing. Like, it's made our club so much stronger as a result. It wasn't even a deliberate thing we were going for. We just wanted a youth team, but we inherited these amazing committee members yeah. who are part of the whole club now. And without them, I don't know where we'd be because De Devs used to be our manager and secretary in, in step six and I think maybe even a bit in step five. 
and there's no way you could do it now. There's so much stuff to do, so much red tape. Yeah. And it just gets more and more as you go through the leagues. Yeah. I mean, I think we're nearly at the end now. There's yeah, a few yeah. things I want to ask you. Yeah. You talked about Luton earlier. Do you think their success is a good thing or a bad thing for you? Like in terms of catchment area, does it is, has everyone got Luton crazy because they're in the Prem and maybe they're taking people away from what could be in your, your story? I, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't even think about it. I just think what brilliant thing they've done. I think it's yeah. brilliant for football and I, I really hope they stay up because they yeah, deserve same. it. They play so well and I love the fact they've got this pokey little ground and, you know, it's intimidating. People have to go. My first game of football was there. My dad took me there to watch Liverpool play. There you go. Um, back you ended when, up supporting Liverpool instead of Luton. Yeah, no, that was, <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's because my dad um, wasn't a wasn't a Luton fan. But um, I think it's brilliant what they've done. It doesn't really take it away from us. Um, uh, I think, if anything, it just kind of inspires you that, you know, a team can yeah. bat out of the league. They, they've definitely not had the biggest budgets to get there and they've crushed it. So and obviously it. they were up like around Division 1 back in the day, but the journey they've been on since being a National League side is crazy. Yeah. No one's done that that fast before. Yeah. From National League to the Prem is people like not only us, but people like what Wrexham and Salford and all these guys want to do need to look at how Luton have done it for sure because they had a lot of issues that to deal with as well with, you know, points deductions and all these kinds of things. Mm. Um but no, I love it. I think I think it's brilliant. I love an underdog. I love Leicester winning the league. Yeah, I'm, 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 the comeback for Wrexham's brilliant. Brilliant yeah. for that town. You know, you you want to have this rotation. So I think it's great. Yeah, ultimately, I do believe one day Rob and Ryan will exit Wrexham. And I think if they do, they'll leave it in such a better position. It'll probably be like a championship or Premier League club when they leave it. They'll probably yeah. make a ridiculous amount of money because they basically funded the whole thing from Disney money, which is mad. Yeah. And it's like, but everyone's a winner. Like That is just genius. I have no problem with it because they've taken a community asset and made it a million times better. They've given people in Wrexham something to do and support and, you know, like a little bit like Bedford. It's not an area where there's loads going on and things, I don't think, in Wrexham, mm. based on my understanding from the documentary at least. And they've given it this huge thing that everyone's talking about around the world. Yeah, I think they'll be in the Premier League within a decade. Yeah, I think they will as well. Yeah. I think they will. And I think they'll they'll exit the club at that point. Yeah. They'll make loads of money. The club will be a completely different thing. But because it's, it's such a good, yeah. like, uh, sleeping giant. Like I say, why, why, there's only so many Welsh teams that are even in the English, you know, pyramid. And they've got that north part of Wales, you know, right on that part of England with all those big football clubs like Liverpool, yeah. Manchester, not a million miles away. And it just seems like perfect. But no yeah. one was thinking about it before they did it. No one was no, sitting around going, who's going to buy Wrexham? So, yeah, fair play to them. And then I think what you say about Bedford is really interesting because I have the same thought. So we've got a town near here called Basildon, which is yep. where we play, basically. Bowers and Pitsy is in, is in Basildon or Pitsy next to it. And they've got 180,000 people. They've never had a good football team. Like, they've never had a, fo league, a football team anywhere near the league. Not even the National League. Who do they support from around there? Where would they well, go to normally? South End. Yeah. It's not far away. So that's probably one of it. And, you know, Basildon have got a couple of teams. The, the, we were in the league with their best team last year. So step four team. They're doing all right this year, to be fair. But for the size of the town, I mean, compare that to other towns, similar similar population around here. It is South End. It is Chelmsford. Chelmsford City, National League South. They're going well in the National League South. Could easily be National League side next year. South End have been a championship team, but... Probably a League One, League Two team if it levels out over the last couple of decades. Basildon not to have one it is, it is bonkers to me, and it's a it's a it's an interesting town. Basildon, you know, it was there's like a documentary about it on um on on, on Amazon Prime. It was basically a town that was created overnight as a commuter town for London, like in the 50s or 60s, mm. and it's a lot of concrete. You know, it was made. It, it kind of had to find itself, if you like. Sounds uh, like Milton Keynes. Yeah, it's sort <laughs> of maybe a slightly earlier version of Milton Keynes. 
And as a result, I don't know if that's why the football team hasn't prospered, but it has made me think when we think about what yeah. area we settle in. Like Balzardin within Essex, at least, is probably the most under-catered to football community. Like, because everyone still loves football there. And a lot of people around here support West Ham and things like that. So you will go into West Ham. It's not hard to get into. You know, a lot of Londoners came out into Essex and sort of migrated. But yeah, I do think there's a handful of towns and cities in the, in the England where you just, I don't understand why they haven't got, like I find that we were talking last time on, with, with Paul Watson about he's a big Bristol City fan. I was like, why have Bristol never been in the Premier League? Like, it's such a big city. Yeah. Like, it's a bit mad, really. I mean, you've got Blackburn winning it and things like this. But, okay, before we finish, yes. got a couple of closing questions for you. First thing, I know you're fairly new in the journey, but even in the couple of years you've been doing it, have you got any regrets? Yeah. I get triggered by people on Twitter too much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's like some guy with like three followers talking crap about the club and I'll sit there arguing with him all day. And I just, you know... I. I regret doing that. I yeah, I should just ignore it. Uh, I've got, that, I've got another rite of passage with people like me and you, particularly in the social media space. Like you have to go through that to realise not to do it. Yeah, but actually, my bigger regret is not figuring out how to do this sooner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish I'd have figured it out back in 2017. But I don't. I can't have too many regrets. Look, look where we are. We own a football club. Everything's exactly. Great. This is the thing, isn't it? Like within the social media world, specifically the YouTube world, those extra few years can make such a difference. Like in YouTube subscribers, if you started YouTube in 2010 versus 2015, it could literally mean an extra zeros on the end of your subscriber count just because of the timing. Yeah. But it's, and that's an old phrase, isn't it? Like the best thing to best time to start something is 20 years ago. The next best time is today. Well, the, the thing also, the thing about regrets is, is it, it, it's doubting your decision making at the time. Like you've got this benefit of hindsight. Honestly, I think every decision I make at the time is the best one. It might not always be, but I don't want to live with regrets. Yeah. If, everything I've got and everything we're doing, I'm happy with. Yeah, that's good. And I think also like it does go fast, man. Like when we came in, I remember thinking, should we have gone in at step six or should we have just bought a club like and, and, and changed some of the branding or whatever and just started a national league? And like when, when you know, hashtag when it was at its peak, when it was still on my YouTube channel, we would genuinely get like millions of views a game and it was crazy. But like we never would have got everywhere we got if we hadn't made the decisions at certain times. So it's easy to go back and go, oh, if we'd bought a National League side in 2016, we might be in EF League 2 right now. But equally, like we also, if those things hadn't fallen in the right place at the right time, we could just not exist right now. Yeah. So I have no regrets in that front either. And final question would be like, this is all about how to run a football club, right? Oh, yeah. This podcast. Okay. And we, we want to try and put together this little patchwork quilt of a club from all the different clubs we speak to. So I ask everyone, like, what do they think is the most important thing in making or sustaining a football club? And what is it for you? <sighs> There's so many, right? There's so many. If I had to pick one, um, I would say growing your crowds mm. is the direct way towards sustainability. You know, I know for me, fundamentally, the most important thing I can do right now is grow our crowds, yeah, yeah. match day revenue. And so I have to link, link another really important thing to that is is brand. Yeah. Brand is so important. It might sound cringy or ugh, brand, but like your brand is what people are buying into. You know, you've got a brand that people are born into. We've got, you know, so buying that brand and getting people to come to, to a game is so important. And it's not as hard as you think. Yeah, you know, I go, you know, we've grown our crowds and we go to other places they're like oh you get much bigger crowds how do you do it? i was like because i phone people up and say will you come and watch us or i you know ask the paper to write about us or i put stuff on like we just one person at a time trying to increase our crowds telling people when they come thanks for coming can you bring another person you you just have to 
you know, it's like even building a YouTube channel. You start one day, you've got one view and then 10 yeah. and then 100. You just got to keep working at it. But yeah, I think the most important thing to grow a football club is to grow your crowd. And I think we're in the exact same position as you right now yeah. for that. Like that is the top of our priorities. And it's amazing because both our teams exist and are doing interesting things because we have found crowds elsewhere. Yeah, We found crowds be it from podcast listeners or, or the Bitcoin space in general, be it from YouTube subscribers. But you still can't get away. It doesn't matter how good our clubs are and how like unique our models are. You cannot escape from the bread and butter football model because if you're not doing it, it's just leaving money on the table. So yeah, I, I completely think that's such an important part. And I think with you guys, one thing that you have smashed is that identity piece. You know, thank you. You could easily have just come in at Bedford FC or whatever and not changed too much and just been another club. And that's one of the things I say when people say to me, "Why did you not put a place in your name?" And I'm like, "Well." if we were called Brentwood Athletic and Brentwood being the town I'm from, would anyone care about us outside yeah, of Brentwood? That's fair. And we'd already created a brand for that. But what you've done, I think is, is actually better because you've combined locality and geography inherited that you've inherited for a club you've, you've, you've taken over with a worldwide appeal. So that I think is brilliant and you're smashing that. And yeah, if we can have this chat again in five years and we've got, you know, double, triple the tendencies we're getting now, then it would just be a really interesting place. All right, let, uh, let me have one question for you and I'll answer it as well. Five years, that time five years, I'll literally stick at my calendar. Where will you be? Well, if I go logic, I go like just, you know, this is something I probably overdo in my brain, but logic mixed with a, a, a realistic optimism. I think there's a very realistic chance in five years we could be the National League South, with um hopefully like double crowds we're getting now at home which will still be yeah. not anything amazing for our league but double is double it's a lot better than you're getting now i think that's very achievable it's not like pie in the sky like i could say five years will be in the league two yeah, do you yeah. know what i mean like and that could also happen if someone else comes in and gives yeah, me loads yeah. of money to spend right but if i'm being logical and also would i shake your hand on that right now you said to me i can guarantee you national league south football Women would be amazing to still be at the third tier, to be honest, in five years, because yeah. now money is going to come into that game. Um, and you double the crowd you've got now, and everything's you know sustainable. I think I'd shake your hand on it. Oh, I'd shake. I yeah. mean, if, if we could have step two in five years, yeah. I'd, I'd bite your hand off. Yeah. Well, how many promotions did you need for that? What are you, are you going to assume we well, get you on this year? Well, yeah, I'd, I don't want to assume. Yeah, that, yeah. But just say we do. That's, that means we're going to go to four, so it's two. Can we do two in five years? Yeah, that's doable. I think it's doable. Very doable. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it's hard. Uh, Step three worries me. I've told you it worries me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to turn that back on you. Right. Say whatever you want here. In five years, who will be higher? Hashtag or Real Bedford. Oh, Real Bedford. <laughs> oh, I love it. Let's go. We should put better on that one. Remember this date. Remember yeah, this five date. years. Listen, I'm, I'm really happy to have you on here. Mate, Pete, thanks for having me. It's, um, I continue to be inspired by your journey. I know, you know you said some really nice things about us, not just here, but in other podcasts, which I appreciate, but it is mutual. Like It doesn't matter who started and what years we come in. We're all part of this new wave, I yeah. think, and I like it. And I've even talked to the Don's guys about whether we can even like formally recognise that with some sort of tournament or something. Yeah. I think we should definitely do it. Anyone that's pushing the envelope in football, be it with Bitcoin or content or whatever it is, like the Walton and Hersham guys doing TikTok, we want to get them on here at some point. Like, it's got loads of different ways, but we're all kind of doing the same thing. And I, I personally welcome that. I think the more the merrier. I would love us to be in the, in the same yeah. league. My dream one day is that we're like, <laughs> Step three, step or maybe step two, and it's like you, the Dons, us, all in the same league, yeah. just reinventing the wheel, basically. I think it'd be amazing. We'll fight each other. Well, listen, I appreciate everything you've done. Um, since I first reached out, you've been nothing but good and given us your time. And 
I love the fact you're doing this. I think I think this is needed and it's useful. So yeah, um, uh, maybe maybe FA Cup. Maybe yeah, oh, mate, let's make it happen. Meet at some can. point. If yeah. not, we'll have to do. Well, we're, we're, I'm sure we'll meet in a competitive fixture at some point. But if yeah. not, let's get some sort of tournament going. It'd be all great. Right, we're in. Cheers. All right, all the best, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us.